want to leave this world and just leave my heart alone in the dark. I remember we used to smile, but please don't go too far. We're going to go ahead and uh, begin our regularly scheduled city council meeting for the city of Acaville, June 27th, 2023. Uh, before we begin, I will tell you we just uh, convened closed session and uh, there's nothing to report out. And with that, we will turn it over to beginning this regularly scheduled meeting and we'll start with the roll call. Council Agency Authority Member Stockton? Here. Ritchie? Here. Silva? Here. Chapman? Here. Roberts? Here. Vice Mayor, Vice Chair Wiley? Here. Mayor Chair Carley. Here. Will you please rise with me and uh, join me with a moment of silence?
Join me with the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Uh, with that, um, any changes with tonight's agenda, Mr. City Manager? No, Mr. Mayor, there are none. All right, do I have a motion? Motion to approve the agenda. We have a motion, a second? We have a second. All in favor? Aye. We will move on to item four, approval of the minutes of the prior City Council meeting of June 13th. Do I have a motion? Motion approved. We have a motion? Second? Second. We have a second? All in favor, say aye. 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 We'll move on to item five, Mr. City Manager. We do have a presentation tonight. With that, we're going to recognize the National Parks and Recreation uh, Month proclamation. And with that, uh, Kelsey Clement can come forward and we will begin this presentation. My name is Kelsey Klima, and I am one of the supervisors with the Park and Recreation Department. We're celebrating Park and Recreation Month by highlighting the vital role Parks and Recreation plays in bringing people together, providing essential services, and fostering the growth of our communities. This year's theme is Where the Community Grows, and if you take a look at our July calendar that is on the screen and in your Park and Rec Month bag, you will see how the Vacaville Recreation Department will be celebrating our community all month long. We'll be kicking off the month of July at the McBride Center with an Independence Day party on July 3rd and then celebrating at Andrews Park for the July 4th celebration, fireworks show, and concert with country music duo Crossman Connection. July is the perfect month to learn something new, so grab your favorite coffee lover to join the brand new Coffee Brewing 101 course held at McBride July 8th or head over to Centennial Park July 23rd to experience the interpretive walk and learn more about the native plants and animals that also make up our community. Get your team ready for some friendly competition with the return of summer adult softball. Registration is open now through July 17th, so sign up today and don't miss out. Teens will be getting together July 7th for Paints and Pizza at the Aladdis Community Center and Therapeutic Recreation will be hosting karaoke night July 21st. And of course, join your family, friends, and neighbors downtown at Andrews Park as Creekwalk continues every Friday night throughout the summer. We have many more exciting programs and events all month long, so please visit us online and in person to stay up to date with everything REC happening this July. Well, thank you for that presentation. It's, uh, it really is exciting when you think of all that our community offers, and it wouldn't happen without our staff, but a community that really does enjoy recreation and being able to get out. And when I receive the, the, all the, the, the public information that says, here's what's going on in Vacaville. It really is exciting. And so with that, I just wanna offer the proclamation on behalf of the city. Whereas California is fortunate to have a variety of park systems that provide countless recreational opportunities for residents and visitors alike, and parks help to preserve and protect the natural and cultural resources of California and offer pleasant surroundings for leisure activities, relaxation, and recreation. And safe parks and recreation programs help prevent social programs, offer positive alternatives for youth, contribute to the good health, enhance the desirability of locations 
for new businesses and families, stimulate tourism, revenues, and generally provide an overall improved quality of life. Whereas the city of Vacaville recognizes and honors the vital contributions of, of the Vacaville Community Services Commission employees and volunteers make each and every day to ensure that Vacaville's parks and recreation programs and facilities are well maintained and are a refuge where residents can relax, connect with family and friends and reduce stress in their daily lives. Now, therefore, be it resolved that I, John Carley, mayor of the city of Vacaville, on behalf of the Vacaville City Council, do hereby proclaim July 2023 Parks and Recreation Month. Congratulations. And with that, we have more festivities coming up with Vacville, but I really appreciate that short presentation. Go online, right? What's the website? Flash Rec, there you go. Thank you very much. So, all right, we're gonna move on to item six, uh, consent calendar. Is there anyone on the council or in the public that wishes to pull any item and uh, have it heard? Seeing none, do I have a motion to approve the consent calendar? I asked, I asked, yeah, sorry. I did open it up for the public. If anyone from the public wanted to pull anything, I didn't see anything. So we have a motion and a second. Vice Mayor Wiley, second. All in favor say aye. 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 We will move on to item seven. This is business from the floor. Anyone who wishes to address the city council on an item that is not part of the agenda, but that is within the, the jurisdiction of the city council, please come forward. I have a written statement that I want to have recorded into the public record, and I have an addendum just comment. <clears throat> Petition for equal treatment. The following is a statement. I am asking this council in compliance with your website agenda amendment allowance to place on tonight's agenda for a vote. The LGBTQ plus lobby has chosen locally and nationally to advertise its sexual preferences and proclivities matters which should be a private concern. This city council has accommodated that lobby by allowing the gay pride rainbow flag to be flown during the current month of June on Vacaville city property. In response, we of the Christian faith in Vacaville churches hereby petition this council to enact the following, quote, proclamation of acknowledgement and inclusiveness of those of the Christian faith, end quote, as follows, quote, the city of Vacaville declares its support of inclusiveness for those of the Christian faith who extol and honor the biblical definition of marriage as being the joining of one biological male and one biological female in a marital, marital union whereby a family structure is established for the reproduction and nurturing of children. Further quote, to commemorate this support, the Christian flag will be flown for the month of July, 2023 on the flagpole at Andrews Park. This proclamation is made pursuant to the United States Supreme Court ruling Shirtliff v. City of Boston that, quote, the city's refusal to let Shirtliff and Camp Constitution fly their flag based on its religious viewpoint violated the free speech clause of the First Amendment. My personal note, on June, on June 18, 2023, I emailed Mayor Carley asking him to place, 
quote, a request for equal treatment regarding the use of the Andrews Park flagpole on tonight's agenda. He replied that it would take more time to do so. He also stated the belief that, quote, government speech should not promote divisional speech, end quote. Let me say, however, that for speech to be truly free, it must be free to be disagreeable to some, as the gay pride flag has currently been. Please enter this petition into the public record. My addendum. From the Vacaville City Council website, agendas and minutes. The order of the agenda items or the items themselves are subject to change before or at the meeting. Under business from the floor, this is the time to address the council with issues that are not on the agenda that are within the council subject matter ju jurisdiction with certain exceptions. The city council may not discuss or take action on items that are not on the agenda. I'm asking for an exception. I am asking that an exception be made on the agenda to take a vote on my Chris Christian flag request. The reason in particular being that I believe that the, the city was disadvantaged by being given wrong legal advice regarding Sherlock B, the Boston, city of Boston. It had to do with religious people only and their flags, and it was confined to that group. It had nothing to do with gay pride. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. To whom may I give this? Yeah, right over here to, there you go. Thank you. Please come forward. Good evening. Good evening, Mayor, Council Members. As we approach the celebration of America's birth date, a nation of independence, we celebrate, but sometimes we forget the reason why we are celebrating. We are celebrating because America was founded for a religious purpose. It was for religious liberty. It was from the pulpits that the national cry for freedom arose. It was from men such as Reverend John Wise, also known as the father of independence, from whose sermons words were taking, including God created all men equal and every man must be acknowledged by the state as equal. All men everywhere need to be acknowledged by the state as equal. Further words such as consent of the governed is the only legitimate basis for government and taxation without representation. It was the Reverend Jonathan Mayhew, the father of civil liberty, who was the first clergyman to begin preaching in England against tyranny. The most influential thought leaders of America were ministers of the gospel and the Christian faith, John Locke, John Witherspoon, William Penn, William Bradford, James Garfield, and many others, including Frederick Augustus Muhlenberg, who was one of the ones who signed and framed the Bill of Rights. John Quincy Adams said this, there are three points of doctrine, the belief of which forms the foundation of all morality. The first is the existence of God, the second is the immorality, I mean, the immortality of the human soul. And the third is a future states of rewards and punishment. Should a man disbelieve any one of these three articles of faith, that man will have no other conscience and no other law than that of the tiger and the shark. Solomon, 
in Israel, the wisest man who ever lived, wrote a proverb, and he said, there is a way that seems right to men, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And I close with the quote from George Washington in his farewell address, and he said, of all the dispositions and habits that lead to political prosperity, morality and religion are indispensable supports. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, please come forward. Hey there, my name is Margie Stern and I've lived in Vacaville, I just figured it out, 46 years. Um, thank you to um, city council, the mayor, the vice mayor and city council members. And I also wanna specifically appreciate the city council members that responded to my email that I sent um, a few days ago, thank you. Thank you, um, I really appreciate that. I'm talking tonight about the Marin clean energy um, situation that happened last Tuesday. And, um, and I didn't feel safe at that meeting to be able to get up and talk. I thought it was a very hostile environment here in city council. Um, what I have learned, I, I I, I feel like I'm now becoming this expert in MCE and this clean energy uh, situation. But what I'm learning is the process that how this should happen. That um, the process was first to educate the city council that MCE would do presentations to the city council for the city council to learn about this process of choosing clean energy as part of our energy sources. And then, then the council would do a first reading, and then, which was last Tuesday. Um, what happened last April when I came to this meeting was that some of the council members said, well, we want the citizens to know more about it first. So MCE made an exception for Vacaville and did three informational meetings ahead of time for people to go and learn about the MCE program. When I was here last Tuesday, I felt like the city council was not aware of a lot of the facts about this program because there were a lot of things that were shared that were incorrect, misinformed, and spun differently, and that there was no one to answer that um, and correct those. I also found out that um, the city council could reach out to MCE anytime you have questions and get answers um, to clarify. And, um, and then when the vote was supposed to be last Tuesday, was not to, was to just move forward with the enrollment. There had to be another reading. It wasn't yes or no. We still were gonna have another reading and have another vote. And then I found out it takes 18 months before we actually start the program and that the MCE has to meet all these regulations of the state. So actually the program doesn't start and wasn't gonna start until 2025. And at that point between the second vote and 2025, that's when all the education of the citizens was gonna happen. They send out flyers, they have Zoom meetings, they have in-person meetings. And I think the city council thought that everyone should know about this before last Tuesday that everyone needed to know everything about it before you guys voted. I'm still not an expert on this, but I'm really learning. I'll yes, thank you. Thank you. And, um, I got, and I, okay, got it. Yeah. 
Thank you. I appreciate your comments. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Good evening, Mr. Mayor, Council. I would love to hear what the great Thomas Sowell would have to say about the situation regarding flying our flag at Andrews Park. I did try and work my way through Cornell University and Alliance Defending Freedom's analysis of the Shirtliff v. Boston. Quite laborious. But my first take on it was that it was inaccurately applied. But if it was accurately applied, then I request that we proceed with the earlier request to uh, post the Christian flag over Andrews Park if we're following Shirtliff v. Boston, affirmative, and have a proclamation. I won't try and uh, be eloquent with my speaking. For once, I'll be very brief. And I thank those people that preceded me. I'm quite humbled by how they presented. Thank you. Thank you. My name is Ted Hunter. I'm a resident of the town for many years. I'm here to provide advice to you. What would be my credentials? Well, I could go on. I'll just be very brief. First off, I'm older than people think I am. I'm 83. People think I'm 60. I've done endless things. I was a commanding officer of 20 military police officers, taking down violent drug rings. I've been shot at it. People die in my arms, knife to death. I built companies in real estate, in wholesale, and you go on and on and on. I was a pioneer techie. I have a strong background. Here is my advice. It is to you, each of you. There's a rule in life. Cannot break. Break it. Lose. You must always treat everybody like you want to be treated. The world is full of rich people and screwed people. Take a good look at their lives. I've seen them. They're miserable. Their wife's cheating on them, their sons in drug rehab, you name it. It is unavoidable in this life that you get back what you give. Any cases, sitting in these positions, you have not done that. It does not lead to a happy life. I'd even ask you to ask yourself, and don't have to answer it, are you happy? Are you genuinely happy? I am. I ask me. It is a threat to your happiness. You are not treating the everyday people in the manner they wish to. They don't have a lot of money anymore. You don't need more money. You need less money. You should be cutting money. That should be doing. You should be making sure that that money is being used for the betterment of average everyday people who are trying to raise their children, who are trying to live their life. And by and large, time and again, you're not doing that. I will warn you, I will advise you, to the degree that you do this, you and your family will pay the price. Change the pattern. Change the pattern. Do what is genuinely best for the everyday people in this community. And time and again, you're not doing that. Part of it is the money thing. Cut back the money you take it. Don't add. Cut it. Make it work better. Can you? Of course you can. Don't, don't even give me a second thought on that. So my advice is really try and help the people in this town. But by and large, 
We're trying to help you. If you sit down sometime quietly some evening and think it through, I think you'll find that what I'm telling you is true. Thank you. Vice, good evening, Mayor, Vice Mayor and City Council. I'm Joan Marquand Wilsey, and as a open, as an, a, a different view to the Christian faith, I am a Christian, and I believe in the diversity that we have. And I thank you for flying a flag that indicates that. Thank you for recognizing the diverse population we have in Vacaville, and for all you do for our city. Thank you. Thank you. My name is Marion Shimoleski. I've lived in Vacaville for 50, I just figured, I'm sorry, 46 years. I was not planning to speak tonight, but I moved to say a couple of things. Firstly, um, I would like to express my, my deep disappointment in that there was not a vote last week. Uh, my husband and I filled out the survey for MCE. We were thrilled that maybe we were going to move a little forward. Um, more than 50 years ago, we realized that the planet needed our help. And leadership at the national level, at the state level, and at the local level has been very hesitant, reluctant to move, in my opinion. And I think it's because people are afraid. And it also has to do, of course, with the economic side of things. So I just want you to know that I hope very sincerely that this question will be reconsidered soon and that we can help make a positive step that very easily people can enroll in more solar um, energy and helping the planet. But my second point that I moved to speak to tonight is to tell you how very, very proud I was to see the pride flag flying in Vacaville. There are so many times that people uh, try to exclude people. We make clubs, sometimes we call them churches or we call them other things where we see these are, if you are just like me and not any different, you can be in my club. And I am against those kinds of clubs and very, very proud at anything that this city does to include everyone. And I echo what the, former, the previous speaker said. Thank you so much for including everyone with that flag. Thank you. Good afternoon. <clears throat> My name is Paul Contreras. I don't have anything rehearsed or written down that's speaking from my heart. I am a Christian. In Genesis, God created man and woman. It's always been the same. That will never change. Truth is truth. So think differently. That's their opinion. But the end will only tell. This nation was born under God, established under God. The Constitution established under God. Our currency is God we trust. We put our faith in God. The homosexuals had their rights not to uh, speak uh, uh, harshly against it. They had their right to serve their flag this month. I feel that we should have the right also for our flag, our Christian flag, so that everybody has a fair opinion of choices, whatever they want to make. 
I believe is in Christ, Savior. I dedicated my life to him. I gave my life up to him. I know where I'm going to be after I leave this past life. Most of you will have to make that decision on your own. But remember, we all have a ticket and the judgment ahead of us, either a judgment of Dan or righteousness. Most of you have families, and you want to understand how you're going to raise your kids and your grandkids. You know, what environment do you want to raise your kids in? Because what we make the decision now will affect everyone from here on out. By the time it starts to roll, it's no way of getting it back. So we as parents are concerned with our kids, our grandkids. As parents, you're going to be accountable how you raise your kids. God's given you that privilege on the raising. I'll be accountable for that. Don't push anything hard. I'm just speaking the truth. So. My request, yes, we have a right to be able to share our flag, our beliefs to Vacaville, just like the others did. Thank you very much for your time. God bless. Thank you. Good evening. I didn't plan to speak, I don't have a lot to say. Um, I've been proud of living in Vacaville because um, as I, my parents, my mom lived in uh, the Bay Area, my daughter does, and I've noticed it's a kinder place. And that's my, my experience is when I'm there, it's a more rushed and we're down here, we're, we're kinder people. And the fact that we can all talk is amazing. Our country is very, very much under um, attack, in my opinion, and it's uh, it would be it would be a very good thing for us to listen to everyone. We've had the gay pride. I don't care what anyone does in their bedroom right now, honestly, as long as they're over eighteen and they've not done to kids. But um, that was that was there was a, I wasn't happy about it. But but we but we put it up and it was fine. So in that case, what if we also put up the Christian flag? And it may be fine with me if we put up the Jewish flag after that. I think we need to be diverse and we need to be proud and we need to all listen to each other. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, my name is Michelle Guerrera. I can't put this up. I hate. First of all, um, I would just Again, I'd just like to thank all of you for all the work that you do, and especially bringing um, information to the public. As I've looked at MCE as it's traveled its way, snaked its way up through California, I've seen cities that did not do what you guys did, bringing information to the community, forums, all of the things that you did to educate the public. Now, did all of us hear about it? No, but you know what? You put out effort, and I appreciate that from every one of you for making that happen. Um, so anyway, that, that was just for me, I felt also was that like at the last meeting, um, I know that there's been times when I don't agree with people either, but I do agree with, with Judy who came up here. 
we have a great community and it's always been welcoming no matter what and people come up and speak and so it is unfortunate that sometimes people are a little bit shyer and don't feel they can come up and speak but um i've never been to a meeting despite whether i'm on one side or the other that I didn't feel comfortable. And that's because the city council has always created that kind of environment. So please don't stop doing what you do because you do it well, okay? So anyway, um, with that, I just wanna again, you know, thank you so much for all that you're doing for the community and the service that you're providing. It's a lot of work. And sometimes like being a teacher, it's a thankless job, but we're, we're grateful for you. And I hope that um, you also heard some of the stuff from people, especially when it comes to finances. We've got some issues coming up that I'm gonna speak about. But um, we are struggling in our economy right now. And um, I'll tell you right now, for me, any more taxing or anything that's going on, it's hard. I'm a, gr a new grandmother, by the way. And so I went from spending $45 a box for formula to $63 a box. Now, within a month, I went from about 200 to 400, just depending on what the market was, to pay for formula for my granddaughter. I'm looking at communities that don't have a lot of money, and I'm really hoping that you will make decisions that will be fiscally sound for all of our communities, because I know if we're struggling on a single income to buy formula in a formula shortage with food shortages and people struggling to make ends meet, having to work multiple jobs, that cuts will happen as opposed to implementing anything else you know, that will put a burden on people who are underserved people who are struggling, single moms, you know, people in um, communities where they're just not making a high income. Okay, so really consider that because I kind of feel that resonating through this room tonight. And thank you again for all that you guys do. Bye. Thank you. Sir, please come forward. Good evening, my name is Norman Reese. I reside in Vallejo and we recently had a ceremony raising the flag in front of the city hall for Great Pride Month. And there was an article in the paper and our mayor, among other comments, made the comment. And I, I saw my mayor at the Memorial Day service on the, at the National Cemetery on Mare Island and also at the Memorial Park behind the city hall. and. Uh, I'm proud of all that they do for the community and all of you that you're serving the communities. But in that article, he was quoted that by saying, everybody is supposed to be here for the raising of that flag. Now, that was an insult, an assault to many of us that are born-again Christians. I served many years in the Navy and as a, being a typical sailor, but after about four and a half to five years, I come to a faith in Jesus Christ and got out of the Navy after being a warrant officer, reverted and got, uh, back to my permanent enlisted grade to go to Bible school and seminary. And I take the Bible seriously. I take my God seriously. My Bible tells me in Proverbs 6, 19, there's seven deadly sins. And among that list of seven deadly sins, the top one is the proud look. Also in Proverbs, it says, pride cometh before the fall. There are so many verses. If you do a search on pride, never is pride used in a positive context. That's what brought Satan out of heaven. I will become a god myself. I will. He got I will disease. 
and claim to be God or become like God. That was the lie to Eve and Adam in the garden. If you eat of that fruit of, from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll be as God. Pride was the issue. To say from a public official that I was supposed to be at an event that was totally contrary to every fiber of my belief in my scriptures and being obedient to my God is repugnant and an offense. If you want to serve the people, you will give them equal treatment. You have raised that flag. And the, the paper also said that they were so proud that Vacaville was the final city to start raising the flag. Well, welcome to evil and welcome to satanic darkness and welcome to his terrible lie to us. If we want to have a, a valuable country, we need to be one who serves God and honors him. Our, our uh, country was served and founded on Judeo-Christian principles, the Ten Commandments, and it's in our Supreme Court. It's no secret that we should be a godly nation, and we have turned our back on that. And so one other verse says, uh, God is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If we want true freedom and love for one another and acceptance, those that said they were proud of the flag being flown in gay pride will accept our our feelings and our desires and honor our position. We want a Christian flag thank to fly too. Thank, thank you very thank much. You. Thank you. Well, good evening. Fun times tonight, huh? <laughs> okay, I'm Tom Bogue. I was asked to speak tonight. I am not here to challenge your decision on what flags to fly. Your city, your choice. I am here to state that when the decision was made to fly anyone's flag beyond the United States flag, the state of California's flag, and the POW flag, it became an issue of equality, potential discrimination, and freedom of speech. It has always been my position, we all have one flag, which represents all of us and that is the flag of the United States. It represents us all as one nation, one people. It represents all the challenges, times of discrimination, the good, the bad, the successes and failures we as the people have enjoyed and suffered. It represents us, the people, each and every one of us. Some confuse our flag with representing the government. It doesn't, it represents us. Our flag of the United States does not discriminate in its representation. So unless this council is willing to fly each group or person's flag without discrimination, which means you better put a lot of poles up because <laughs> now that you put one up, well, it kind of been a pinch now. Then I would recommend stick to the people's flag, our flag of the United States. I will close in stating, when we are going to quit, when are we going to quit fighting each other, learn to accept each other, understand we as people should enjoy all the same rights and respect each other despite our differences. We should be diffusing their differences and not building upon them. Thank you for your time. Thank you.
Anyone else wishing to address the council this evening? Seeing none, I'm gonna close the uh, business from the floor and bring it back to the council. And uh, with that, we will move into public hearings, Mr. City Manager. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, Vice Mayor, members of the City Council. The first public hearing item before you tonight is a resolution confirming unpaid assessments for weed abatement and directing that liens be placed against those particular properties. We have Jill Childers, our fire marshal, with the presentation tonight. There we go. All right, there we go. <clears throat> Good evening. Uh, good evening, Mayor, Vice Mayor, and members of the City Council. Tonight, I'm here to talk to you about the possibility of leaning three properties within the City of Ackville. Code enforcement is responsible for the enforcement of weed abatement within the City of Ackville. In these cases, we enforce Vacaville Municipal Code Section 8.04, which is the abatement of weeds and rubbish, and California Fire Code Section 304.1.2.1. A notice of this lien hearing was mailed to all three property owners on April 28, 2023. In the notice, we made the property owners aware that they had until the day prior to this June 27th hearing to pay in full or to call with questions about the amount due or the process that we followed. Lastly, we published the information about this hearing in the Vacaville Reporter as we are required to do so by law. The three properties we will discuss this evening are 235 Belford, 524 and 530 Springline, and 272 Woodcrest Drive. Code enforcement issued courtesy notice to all three of the property owners. After a minimum of 10 days, all three property owners were issued a notice in order to abate. Once those property owners did not comply with the notice in order to abate, code enforcement did move forward with the three-day notice of intent to apply for an abatement warrant. Warrants were all issued by Solano County Superior Court, and all three properties were abated by a city contractor. I do have some before and after photos of each property. So this is the property that was located at or is located at 235 Belford Place. These are photo, or this is a before and after photo, photo of 254 and 530 Spring Lane. And lastly, this is a photo of 272 Woodcrest Drive. The amount of the proposed lien for each property includes the cost of the abatement and the staff time spent on the abatement of that property. The amount due for 235 Belford Place is $1,416.62. For Spring Lane, the amount due is $3,323.82. And for 272 Woodcrest Drive, the balance that's due is $3,856.61. The fiscal impact for the city is the abatements were paid for from the general fund and the strategic plan goal and initiative that this supports is goal number one to ensure public safety. 
and we recommend um, by simple motion that the council adopt the subject resolution. We are open for questions and comments. Yeah, thank you. If you could just quickly go back to that, uh, the, the cost. The yes, single sir. single lot in Vacaville seems to be the highest amount on a small lot. Is there any anything that you can explain or share with the council as to why that one was so high? You're talking about the Belford Place one? Or are you talking uh, no, about the, the Woodcrest? Wood yeah. So the Woodcrest specifically, this one was difficult to deal with. We were having an issue actually reaching the property owner. Um, come to find out that the property owner is actually in a care home and there are other residents residing in that home that are part of that family. Um, so we had to do a lot of search to find out exactly where he was um, and actually trying to reach him as well. We also worked with this property owner specifically um, due to some hardships that they had mentioned to us about trying to get them to um, sign a consent to abate, which if they would have done that, allows us to then work with them on a payment plan to repay the city. And so we've done this multiple times and residents let me know, hey, I can afford $30 a month and we make a payment plan for them and they come in monthly and make the amount that they're able to make towards that abatement. Um, as far as the time, it was, like I said, it was a lot of research. We were back and forth at the property. We actually had to stay on the property while the abatement occurred. Um, the consent to abate, we gave them the first one. They said they lost it. We then had to meet with the residents at the house again to provide them that notice again as well. So it was just the time spent for the overall length of time. This project, if you looked at it, also took a while. The property owner was attempting, not the owner, I'm sorry, the resident that is there right now um, was trying to do some work and we would give them and extend their timeline a little bit each time, but they just never were able to completely complete the project and we were getting continual complaints from neighbors in that area. Thank you. Uh, seeing no questions, I'm going to open up to the public for comment. From the public, I will bring it back to the council. And uh, with that, we have a motion. Motion. We have a second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion passes. Thank you very much. Hopefully that we, we can continuously do in the future as is like you do, and I know you do, is, is to work with residents. It's a fire safety hazard is the reason why we do it. So I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you. you. Mr. City Manager, uh, item B. Mr. Mayor, Vice Mayor, members of the council, this next item before you is a resolution approving a CPI adjustment to the city service and facility rental fees. Our Director of Finance, Ken Matsumia, is here with the presentation. Good evening, Mr. Mayor, Vice Mayor, members of the council. Tonight, I have a very brief presentation requesting council approval to apply a consumer price index or CPI adjustment to the city's service and facility rental fee schedule. Starting off with some background on this item, the services and facilities rental fee schedule is brought to council every four years for approval to apply an annual CPI adjustment in four-year increments. The purpose of the annual adjustment is to maintain fees and charges at a level that will keep pace with the actual cost of providing the services and maintaining the facilities. As noted, June 25th, 2019 was the last time this item was approved, and the fee schedule includes fees for facility rentals and services such as building permits and planning applications, fire code permits, false alarms, parking 
field rentals. And then just to clarify, the proposed CPI adjustment wouldn't impact utility rates, business license fees, or any taxes. They're not part of the schedule, and any sort of changes to those rates would follow a different process that we're not discussing this evening. And then finally, the CPI adjustment is based off of the San Francisco, Oakland, Hayward region, and that's the one that's historically been applied to our, our fee schedule. So the recommendation for this evening is to apply the most recent CPI adjustment, which was 3.6% as of April of 2023 for the upcoming fiscal year. And if approved, the increase would go into effect on July 1st. Um, unlike the previous time this item was brought to council in 2019, we are not requesting a CPI adjustment for any of the following fiscal years, as the city is undergoing an external study of our fee schedule to evaluate the service costs of each fee, percentage of cost recovery, and whether any new fees need to be added to better reflect our current services. Study will be completed in the upcoming fiscal year and the results will be brought to council for discussion and direction prior to approval of the fiscal year 24-25 fee schedule. So that concludes the presentation. We'd be happy to take questions. Thank you. Um, seeing no questions, I'm going to open it up to the public for any comment on this. Seeing none from the public comment. You can come forward, sir. Yes. Yeah, come on. Yeah, that's fine. Come on up. Sure. You said there in 2019 was the last time you increased it? So, address, sir, just address the questions to us, and then what we'll do is work through. All right, sorry. Uh, I'm just, just confused, that's all. Sure. I thought it said that the last time it got adjusted was 2019. Okay. Now it's being adjusted four years later. Right? Is that correct? Well, and what we'll do is I'll ask. I will ask. Oh, I, I, to I'm trying question. to follow. Is it the 3.9 percent or whatever? Is that the one-time adjustment for one, one year time, or yes. four years? Well, it's it's the right now. It's a 3.6 percent adjustment right now. We can ask. Can you answer that question? No, is, is it for one year? Hold, sir, hold on a second. Yeah, so just going back to the 2019 date, so the way that this item has been brought to council, it's brought every four years. So when it was brought in 2019, it was to take the CPI adjustment at that time, and then for the next three years, applying the CPI every year. So every single year from 2019 until now, there has been a CPI adjustment. What we're doing this evening is that we're requesting the CPI, the 3.6%, be applied for the upcoming fiscal year. Oh, you've been doing it each year? Correct. Uh, oh, thank you. It was just yeah. a confusion. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. Thanks for the answer. So, so. sure. Um, did I understand that? Did I understand that the adjustment is focused on cost recovery, not to just increase it to have additional revenue? Is that correct, Mr. Mayor? Yes, I'll go ahead and if you can respond to that. My, that's my understanding, but. Please yes, that's correct. It is for cost recovery. And the purpose of the fee study that we're going to be undertaking is really to clarify that and make sure that it is just cost recovery and that we're what percentage of costs we are truly covering. Yeah, thank you. Anyone else from the public? I'll bring it back to Council Vice Mayor Wiley. The information and just for my clarification, earlier in the last several months, we redid our building fees and on a tiered schedule and changed a lot of that. Is that the same building permits or these different building permits? That would be different. I think you're referring to the development impact fees okay. and that's not part of this. Okay, thank you. Council Member Silva. 
Uh, thank you for the presentation, Ken. Um, I was actually uh, coming in here, so I'm glad I took time to talk to our city manager because um, I think some sometimes there's a common uh, belief within the community that once we once we've already paid for certain uh, resources or uh, equipment uh, from tax dollars, uh, the question comes up: uh, Why should we continue to pay for? It? I think labor's uh, something understandable and separate, uh, but I do want, I just want to be clear that. Uh, this is the first time updating it after four years, three, increasing 3.6% across the board. Um, but when we do, I just put it out there ahead of time for the fee study. Uh, I'm curious to see what comparables are at that, that particular point. Um, and but that's just the request. Um, and I'm ready to make a motion to approve. Well, I'm not seeing any other questions, so we'll go ahead and take a motion. Uh, motion to approve item 8B as written. We have a motion, we have a second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion passes. Thank you very much for the presentation, Ken, and uh, we will move on to the next item. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, Vice Mayor, and members of the City Council. Um, all this language up here on your agenda is essentially to uh, present the housing element uh, for your consideration and approval tonight. Our Community Development Director, who's been leading this effort, uh, Ms. Erin Morris, is here to make a presentation for you. Thank you. Thank you, Mayor Carley and members of council. I'm going to make this presentation fairly brief and focus on things that have changed since the council had held their study session. But if you have questions, we can always go back or slow down. So we covered why we have to have a housing element that we do it every eight years and that it requires um, state approval. And we've previously covered all the different components that are in the housing element. And I can elaborate further as needed um, as we keep moving through uh, this item. Um, suffice it to say, we've done a lot of work to present to the council a final draft of a housing element that we believe meets all of these requirements. It includes a housing sites inventory that demonstrates how we are planning for the required amount of housing that the state has allocated us and that we do have a surplus, a slight surplus. I'm going to talk a little bit about that surplus and how it's helpful for a couple of issues that have emerged since the last council meeting. So one of the changes that's um, here before you this evening is we heard from the council and the commission some concerns about having a lot of our planned housing sites in one particular neighborhood. And so we researched it and staff's recommendation that's before you this evening is to pull out site 38, which is a city owned property um, that's been used sort of as an informal open space and not included as part of the housing element. This really reduces our number of planned units by 12 uh, 12 lower income units, and we do have enough um, planned on other sites to accommodate this change. Uh, the second, actually, I'll talk about the second site in a moment. So um, before we went through a series of all these different programs that this housing element would obligate the city to um, respond to. And in response to a question that came up from council, we've spent a considerable amount of time developing an implementation plan. So I just want to let the council know we believe we can implement these programs within the timeframes. We have an action plan organized for that. And if you adopt this housing element this evening, we'll undoubtedly come back to you and give you further information about how we're going to move forward and get these items done uh, collectively between primarily my department and housing and community services. Um, these sites, I covered this at the previous, and I also covered that. Uh, we talked last time about the proposed land use and development code text amendments, and those have not changed since the last presentation. 
Uh, last time we talked about how we have a series of sites that we're designating, we're upping the maximum density to 30 units per acre. Uh, none of these sites have changed. We also talked about um, 16 sites that were being proposed to be redesignated or rezoned to accommodate housing. Even since the last council meeting, we've continued to have conversations with affected property owners about this proposal. We've had a lot of very good conversations. And as I get to public correspondence, we have one proposed change coming out of that dialogue that we want to bring forward to council this evening. Uh, but otherwise, we've not heard any um, opposition to uh, these proposed changes. And the last other thing that's happened since we last saw you, we've been very busy. We were at the Airport Land Use Commission on June 8th to present some of the redesignations within the airport land use zones. Um, at the end of it, we got a recommendation that this plan is compatible with the airport plan uh, with two conditions of approval that the city must comply with as we move forward. And we're, we're prepared to, to do those two things that the ALUC requested uh, to keep them comfortable with, with our housing element. Um, and then I'm actually going to skip over that for now. You have an environmental addendum in front of you. This is the environmental clearance for the project. We do have our full team. PlaceWorks is here um, and other staff are here in case you have any questions about the CEQA document. Before we get to the recommendation, we have you've got a couple letters since the last time we, we had our, our study session. One of the letters is um, from a gentleman named, or a person, sorry, person with the last name of Boots, expressing support for the up designation of their property on Alamo Drive. Uh, that's, it's always nice to get supportive um, e messages like this one. Uh, the second one was an email from the Sidhu family regarding their property on Leisure Town on the south side of Orange Drive. And their request is that the city not designate the one acre portion of their site that abuts Leisure Town Road for housing and rather keep it as highway commercial. We crunched the numbers and with that change, we would lose 20, approximately 20 planned housing units, but we can absolutely make that up on other sites. So we feel again that this is a pretty small change. It retains that property owner's interest, accommodates that to develop commercial along Leisure Town and housing behind the commercial. And so staff is recommending uh, that the council make that additional change to the housing element sites uh, this evening. And that would be site 68. So uh, the slides are so long, I don't even want to read them. <laughs> um, so what, what staff's recommending is by simple motion that you Adopt the resolution for the the CEQA. I'm going to really summarize. Um, adopt our the housing element. Adopt the Associated General Plan text and map amendments, and adopt the newly created residential high density limited general plan land use designation. Um, and as part of that, you're going to be also um, removing site 68 from redesignation to housing. And then the second part of the recommendation is that you introduce an ordinance associated with these zoning changes. And of course, that will, this is the first reading and it would come back to the council for a second reading in July. I know I went through that quickly, but I'm very, very happy to answer questions um, at any time. Thank you. Thank you. And what makes this easier is, is the, the volumes of documents and presentations that you and your staff have presented. So thank you. Otherwise, this would be a really long presentation. So. Uh, I appreciate that you have worked with owners of property, especially when you start rezoning. It tends to change interest in property at the same time trying to meet the state's mandates. So I, I do appreciate you and your staff taking the efforts to do that. So with that, I'm going to open up to the public for any comments. Go, sir, come on up. <laughs> Question, sure. go away. 
How in hell can you understand what's really going on in detail? Would you? He knows, Dad. You know. God, I mean, that, isn't that dangerous in terms of things? I would suggest the possibility, common sense, that when you get a chance, make them explain it a lot more clearly so that you understand what you're voting for. Because I, I, I built real estate companies. I did land planning. I know this shit. No, I don't. I have no idea to follow that. Thank you. Any, anyone else? I'm going to close public comment. And uh, I just want to make a comment, at least in general. There has been no less than, what, five sessions and special sessions over the last several months diving into all these issues. Uh, so while it, there's a lot to it, this is really a summary, which can make it seem like it's just being glossed over. But I assure you, there's been a lot of information to the public in going into this. And I appreciate staff's ability to help us digest this and understand it. And so, but I do appreciate your comments. I really do. I'm going to bring it back, uh, Councilmember Silva. I just want to echo the mayor's um, appreciation on uh, working with our property owners for Site 68. Uh, and I believe it was in site 38. Sorry, I'm yeah. So um, I'm not gonna cry, but uh, I really appreciate, I really appreciate the effort. Uh, I know I've had a lot of talks behind the scenes, but um, you know, people, some folks who supported me uh, were adamant that, hey, Mike, when this neighborhood needs a chance, we can't, it's make, there's a lot of difficulties. I'm not getting into all of that. Uh, but what's even bigger than that, uh, more than um, how and where we provide uh, subsidized housing if we're able to um, is the ability for us to develop a sense of pride of ownership in a, in a neighborhood that's predominantly uh, concentrated a lot of rentals. Um, that in turn turns, you know, has created a lot of turnover uh, within the population for even the people that care most. And that particular area um, if, uh, is starting to, to really transpire every time there's another community service project that particularly involves the youth um, and inspires them to see what's next. What, what can we do next? What can we create next? Or how about this? Or how about that? And so, um, uh, so I appreciate staff I, from the bottom of my heart. Um, personally, like I really appreciate staff uh, listening uh, after two and a half years and, uh, and uh, making a, I'm joking, uh, making, uh, uh, making, the, making the changes and finding a way to get it done. So I, I deeply appreciate that. Thank you. Vice Mayor Wiley. Uh, thank you for the information. And, and as we've said, we've had several different presentations on housing, and this is not the first time we've seen it. But I, I just have two questions. So in a couple of these map changes, we're going from commercial to residential, usually residential high density. And then we had the one information where we're going to not change all of it, but maintain part of it as commercial. So overall, do you have an idea what Vacaville's ratio is of commercial to residential? I, I do not have that information, but you've characterized the changes correctly. Okay, I just, because once it changes from commercial to residential, then, then it's changed permanently. So I just, I just wondered about that, so. All right, and then the second question, is in one of the charts early on, it showed our, the arena numbers and what we needed for low and very low, and also counted 
ADUs, and at one time ADUs didn't count toward RENA numbers, so do they now count toward RENA numbers? They counted toward the RENA numbers in previous cycles. There is some chatter that there may be either certain stipulations or requirements for them to count in future cycles, but right now they are identified as one of the types of housing that we can take credit for um, as they get built, as, as satisfying at least one, one level of that RENA. All right, thank you. Councilmember Chapman. Yes, thank you very much for the report. And um, I actually made an attempt to read the entire packet. Can you believe that? Oh, it's quite lengthy, quite lengthy. Um, however, let, my question is, I believe it's, it was H117. I hope I'm in the right area to question this. And it's in regards to um, the um, the Pony Express, the Rocky Hill Vets, um, Oak Grove, I believe, and they were specific for uh, seniors, uh, veterans, uh, low income, and youth, uh, well, it was labeled fostered youth. And I know each of the areas that were identified for the adults, what are we, where are we placing, or what has been designed for the uh, foster youth? And they were noted in the description, <laughs> so I was just curious. I appreciate the question, Councilmember Chapman. I'm actually going to ask our um, housing consultant, PlaceWorks, because I don't recollect off the top of my head the foster youth um, details, but I'm sure that they can assist. Um, so okay. I'm looking for, there she comes, Jenny, or one of the team. Just a moment. I know that housing that serves different lower income populations typically also serves foster youth, but I don't know if there's any more details on that. So thank you for being here, Jenny. Hi, Jennifer Gassel in PlaceWorks. So you're, the implementation of the program, is that what you're specifically? Where are they being placed? Oh. The, uh, you, you identify, you know, the Pony Express or seniors, um, low, and then the Rocky Hill veterans, mm -hmm. uh, Oak Grove. Yes which is the ADU and all of this. But in the description, you also had foster youth. Foster. So they would not go to Pony Express. No. Rocky Hill. Right. Oak Grove is not fully developed. So they were in the descriptor, but. So it could have been a reference to information that we received um, through the consultations. So we talked to a bunch of different service providers to get information. So. Maybe that's where it fed in. We probably didn't put that in without, it, it must have been part of the plan at some point for future growth for that to be included in future projects. Okay, it was identified in the last uh, so housing element. Over, but yeah, we yes, can- Yes, and it's in there again. Right, so I'm assuming that's information that we had received that we're carrying forward to this document. So if, there is clarification on that, then we can absolutely update that if that is not how it ended up working out in that end. But thank you for bringing that. We'll look into that. Thank you. Councilmember Roberts. Yes, yeah, kind of a comment slash concern. Uh, if you can go back a couple slides, there's a property on uh, Monta Vista and Orchard.
Do you recall which slide it was on? It, it had a brown uh, color coding on the map. That is not, not that the, the, this is not the right area. Okay, I'm looking. I don't want to make anyone seasick, but I do want to find the slide you're asking about. Ooh, okay, yeah, right there, there we are, perfect. Okay, yes, yeah, we found so the slide. Yeah, site number two right there. Yes. Um, do you have concerns about that one? That's on this like kitty corner across from where Oak Grove is gonna be going, and that's also all low-income apartments to the right of that image. Um, yeah, putting it for uh, residential, there's all the concerns that came up from Oak Grove with regarding parking, especially because that's on a corner lot, and the fire department right there on the corner, that's one of the busier intersections in Vacaville. That's the only way to feed into North Orchard there. And so, I'm fine with zoning residential. We just have to be very mindful of how it's planned because Oak Grove came to us several times before they eventually changed it and adopted for what fit for that neighborhood. So yeah, I just want to be really mindful on how the planning goes for that location. And there's also a lot of established oak trees on there, so I'm sure we'll get pushed back from certain uh, community groups on that. Thank you. Councilmember Ritchie. Uh, thank you so much. Um, I just wanted to follow up. Um, I know we had a lot of conversation about the last meeting. Uh, the temperature was was pretty up there, and you know, so there's questions about the decorum, the way we could have handled or did or did not do stuff. But um, you know, I just want to express to the crowd, you know, the speed that um, Aaron Morris went th went through the presentation, no way reflects our ability to understand and comp comprehend the information. Uh, we had a whole day. I mean, all day, a meeting. And we've had six meetings. We've had one-on-one -on -one housing. We have had a lot of passion, a lot of just very spirited conversations with making sure we put the vision of the city as far as housing that's equitable for everybody. Um, there was multiple documents, 178 pages. Um, we really, really, really did a great job of making sure the housing element was approved and it's, it's being read to us. Um, I just, I just don't want that speed to reflect our our inability or our passion um, here at the council. I just want to make sure we all have had so many conversations behind the scenes to make sure we're doing the right thing for housing. Um, and when it comes to housing, I, I really appreciate the fact that we are addressing some of the lots. Um, you know, the lot that actually Councilman Roberts mentioned, I spent my whole life riding my bike back and forth by it. So it's, to me, it's highest and best use. That thing's been vacant since I've been at Orchard School. And so if it had a usage for commercial, it would have been utilized. So the fact that as the city grows, things change, we need to explore opportunities for better usage. Um, at the same token, I, I don't think it's our place, said a few times in the dais, for us to tell private property rights and how to treat their property. As long as their usage is cohesive and not hazardous to the community, I really am a proponent to private property rights. So the ability for the owner to have a little bit of pushback, say, listen, I would like to use my property for this said purpose for this portion. I'm, I'm very happy that the council heard that and we are going to take that into account. But um, I just wanted to make that sure, like we really, really, really have passion to make sure that we really bring the best product of housing elements and, and housing forward. And like our, our yes, no answer or response here to that, that quick breeze overview does not reflect our passion. So thank you. Thank you, Councilmember Stockton. Yes, I'll be brief. Um, since we've had so many meetings and you've kind of been the popular kid at our council <laughs> meetings with um, talking about this very subject. So I just wanted to thank you for that. 
I am uh, glad that Councilmember Roberts highlighted that slide because I am looking forward to seeing that section of Vaca Valley have a beautiful um, bike lane and you know something where that field is right now because I see a lot of folks that are walking or, or riding their bikes right there. So whenever that gets developed, I'm, I'm anticipating that there will be some more um, pedestrian friendly um, walking and bicycle riding and stuff there. Um, are we ready for a motion or- I just, you... I just want to make a final comment. Oh, okay. Yeah, but thank you. Yeah. Um, uh, sentiments the same. Um, appreciate, one of the things I do appreciate because for people who own property, to be able to work with staff and come forward and to see that you work with them because their interest in being able to develop it is very important, right? That's individual uh, land use property rights. That's that's the one thing that we want to value here. And so I appreciate you and staff being amenable to that. And also for those who are looking to help our community. And part of that ask is really also some high density uh, multi, you know, multifamily housing. And so there's a lot to this. And while it's very complicated, um, we know that the state is really pushing on us. And but I just also want to thank you and your staff for making us get to this place where we're we're going to be in compliance to the state. At the same time, it is important that we continue to push for the the rights of our community. So I think we struck a balance, and we're certainly working with staff. And uh, and with that, uh, can I have a motion? And I do know that the clerk is going to read in the ordinance because it's quite length lengthy. So oh. do, do so. Do we have we have a motion? We have a second? I'll have... second, but I just want to confirm that includes the removal. It includes the change, the, the two amendments, 68 and 32. Uh, 38 and 68. 38 and 68. Okay. So with that motion, that's clarified, and we have a second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion passes. Madam Clerk, could you read that into the ordinance, into the record? Ordinance of the City Council of the City of Vacaville implementing housing element programs HE9, HE15, HE18A, and HE18B, adopting the newly created Residential High Density Limited Zoning District, and amending Title 14 of the Vacaville Municipal Code by change of zoning map for various affected properties throughout the City of Vacaville, and by change of Land Use and Development Code text to Division 14.02, entitled Interpretations and Definitions, Division 14.05, entitled Plan Growth, and Division 14.09, entitled Zoning, as shown in Exhibits B, C, D, E, and F. Thank you. So I appreciate the presentation and for you uh, entering that into the record. All right. So with that, we'll move on to the next item. Mr. City Manager. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, Vice Mayor, members of the Council. This next item before you is consideration of the City's updates to safety elements and community health elements. Once again, Ms. Morris, your community development director here is, is with the presentation. Uh, thank you again. And before I begin, I'd like to acknowledge this. these topics also had multiple study sessions with the Council and Planning Commission um, quite recently. So again, I'm going to be fairly brief. But again, I'm happy to answer any questions as we move through. Um, and this is a case where nothing has changed with any of this information since the last time it was presented to the Council in depth. So before you this evening are the city's updated safety element and the community health goals, policies, and actions that have been added to five different elements of the general plan. 
In terms of the safety element, we are required to have a safety element. Uh, there's a lot of great reasons to have one. It is required to be updated every eight years with the housing element. So that's why it's here before you this evening. We went over this at a previous slide. At a high level, um, there's new state laws that require that we provide further um, policy direction about floods and wildfires, how climate change affects the hazards that can affect Vacaville, and also addressed evacuation-constrained areas. Uh, we had to do a vulnerability assessment, um, looking at who and which parts of the community may be most harmed by climate change. And so the, the safety element goes in depth and includes um, this vulnerability analysis. And it really provides a foundation for new policies to, to respond to disasters. So in Vacaville, our climate change is really looks at um, increased wildfire activity, more heat, um, more intense droughts, um, and changes um, to agriculture that affect human health. Our key vulnerabilities have to do with a disruption related to agricultural activities, um, low resource populations, extreme heat, flooding, landslides, and wildfire, all the things that we talked about in depth last time, and then also looking at key infrastructure that we would need in the event of a disaster. So many of the policies in the safety element stayed the same. Um, some of them were updated to reflect the new regulations, and anything that's new is generally related to wildfire and emergency response. These policies are just excerpts from the general plan, um, some of the four, um, four, four new policies that were included. I'm going to now trans transition over to community health, which is also called environmental justice. Uh, this, this is a state, um, a state lens to look at our city through, looking at the fair treatment of people of all races, cultures, and incomes. And it really becomes a bunch of community health goals, policies, and objectives, because those kinds of policies benefit everyone. We did a full screening for um, what which areas of our community um, would benefit most from environmental justice, community health um, policies. Um, and I went through this actually in great detail last time. It was very complex, um, and it ultimately culminated in three impacted communities being identified, and the goals and policies and actions that would be in the general plan call upon us as a city to, take, to make some programs and some actions to try to improve the quality of life in these three areas. Um, asthma is the key issue affecting all of Vacaville, but especially these three areas, and there's a few other key, key factors that are affecting quality of life. Um, I went, we went through this again last time. Um, air quality and asthma, top, top health issue in Vacaville, and there's some other things, including the need for more shade trees, um, addressing pesticide use. I'm going to go back here. So we have a myriad of new proposed policies and actions. Um, if you have any questions about them, we do have placeworks here this evening, and they can answer questions. But at this point, I'm going to wrap up with staff's recommendation that you adopt the resolution for the CEQA and that you approve the general plan amendments for um, both safety and the community health. And thank you. Thank you for the presentation. Again, I know this is a wrap up of, of many sessions. And so with that, I'm gonna open it up to the public for any comment or questions. Being none, I'm gonna bring it back to the council. And uh, again, thank you for all your efforts to bring this to us. Obviously they're all intertwined, but uh, Councilmember Silva. I'm just uh, related to the environmental justice and wanna Thank Tyra again for coming out. You were phenomenal. You weren't here last time, but you were phenomenal with the youth. Um, just explaining to them and giving feedback, uh, as was the um, the consultant group that was there. So I appreciate always those ex extra added efforts to engage different times of day uh, to meet people where they're at. Where they're at. So thanks, Councilmember Roberts. Yes, yeah, wanted to kind of follow up. It stirred my memory from last time we saw this. Was there any more information on the? Uh, the asthma reports, because I remember when we talked about it before, it showed the some of the more affluent areas had more asthma than even low-income 
neighborhoods in the same area is that pulled from hospital data or is that pulled from some other type of information source uh, thank you for the question, Councilmember Roberts. I don't have that information this evening, but I can tell you with some of our implementing actions that we'll be looking at some public education initiatives about indoor air quality, we will be doing a deeper dive into the data that um, helps us pinpoint where our efforts should be focused. Okay, yeah, because I was just wondering, because if it's pulled from hospital data, if you have some folks that are low income might not have insurance to report that those illness or ailments too. So yeah, it's something to, to look at as we go forward with it. Thank you. Councilmember Chapman. Thank you. Again, thank you for the information. Question um, around the flooding. I did some reading. <laughs> so anyway, um, it mentioned the uh, the housing, the rent means the property that's within the flood zones. Uh, once the improvements are made, uh, will the will the residents no longer be required to purchase flooding flood insurance? I have to put it out there. Thank you for that question, um, Councilmember Chapman. Um, once FEMA, um, FEMA Federal Emergency Management Agency, um, amends a map, the flood map um, through a very complicated federal process that involves a lot of public notification, at a certain point, yes. Once homeowners, the map is amended. They, if they, if they're not in a zone anymore, they don't need to pay for that insurance. I saw a lot of that at the city of Napa after the massive flood control project. It, it was, it was game changing for many of the residents. Okay, thank you. Well, I don't see any more uh, questions or comments from the council. So at this point, we could entertain a motion. I move for the approval. We have a motion. Second. A second. All in favor? Aye. 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 So that's to reaffirm the environmental assessment and by simple motion. So no other reading needs to take place on that. So we will move forward to the next item. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, Mayor, Vice Mayor, members of the council. This next item before you are actions related to new updates to our municipal code. Albert Eno, our senior planner, is here with a presentation. Good evening, Council. The item before you tonight is an annual update to our land use and development code. Uh, there's a number of different divisions that we're going to go through uh, that we're updating, um, starting with definition zoning, our subdivisions, as well as our urban storm water quality management and discharge control, as well as grading. A little bit of background, in 2015, we adopted a new general plan that led to subsequent tasks that we had to complete, including a comprehensive amendment to our zoning map, um, as well as another technical update to our general plan dead count for VMT. Uh, we conducted a comprehensive update to our municipal code under Title 14 in February 2022, with sub sub subsequent mapping updates uh, uh, created for the downtown specific plan and the zoning map. Really, the comprehensive updates to our municipal code went into effect in July of 2022, since then, we've been working with those new code sections and finding areas that need further updates. Starting with divisions 1402, 09, and 11, we're looking at providing some, well, these particular divisions provide policies and procedures and standards for implementing uh, the general plan and, and for new building projects, for new construction and development projects. There are some minor changes to these areas, specifically for modification findings, public noticing, design reviews for new house plans within existing subdivisions, 
um, some height standards for field lights uh, and some signage standards. There's some more administrative changes. We found some grammatical errors in some of the text uh, and we were adjusting definitions so that we were being consistent with state law. And the stormwater, this particular division provides policies, procedures, and standards for implementing our stormwater quality and control plan. And the whole purpose of this is to reduce pollutants. Uh, there are minor changes uh, for the purpose of adding uh, policies and procedures for addressing best management practices. What are people supposed to do when they're constructing buildings and project sites? How are they protecting the city's stormwater um, and our systems while they're conducting their construction? So that way there's no sediment or other pollutants that run off into our system. Um, there's also requirements that we're adding for what happens after uh, something is constructed. How is rainwater that goes onto a site uh, being treated before it goes into our, our storm drain system because ultimately we're responsible for making sure that we're not adding any pollutants into our system that go to creeks, streams, and things like that. Um, we did have some additional changes that were at the recommendation of our uh, city attorney's office, and so that was mainly to be consistent with existing enforcement procedures that are identified within our municipal code. So you'll see a bunch of changes for that particular one. That happened after we went to planning commission. Grading is more uh, more changes. This particular division provides procedures and standards for controlling land disturbances, uh, landfills, um, changes to the grade before a project is actually built on the site. Uh, these are just being consistent with uh, stormwater quality and what to do when a project is under construction and after construction. Minor changes to that, we're just updating some references to that stormwater ordinance. We did have a couple of public meetings consistent with the municipal code. We had a planning commission meeting on May 16th. Uh, the planning commission heard this item and ultimately voted 7-0 to recommend to city council approval of these amendments. We also took this amendment to the airport land use commission, which is required by state law whenever you amend a municipal code. That was on June 8th. They looked at that and voted 5-0 to recommend all the changes that we were doing are consistent with the two compatibility plans that are in Vacaville. So with that, we're recommending, uh, as well as the Planning Commission, that uh, these particular amendments be done. They're cleanup items. Uh, they're also helping us to strengthen our defense for pollutants that go into the city's stormwater system. Um, and they're also providing us some enforcement procedures to make sure that we have a little bit more teeth when we're identifying uh, violators that are putting in a, us into a very uh, a bad situation. So uh, we, we feel like th these amendments are, are providing a better game plan for us. So with that, we have a recommendation uh, that uh, there is a resolution that we're recommending City Council adopt to reaffirm the general plan uh, FEIR and SEIR, but also to introduce the ordinance amending Title 14 for these various divisions within our uh, land use and development code. That concludes my presentation. Thank you for the presentation and for the work to really get us uh, forward thinking. I think this is important. So then I'm gonna open up to the public for any comment on this item. Seeing none, I'll bring it back to the council. Any comments? Again, I know it's a lot of work. I mean, when you start updating an entire section, and, uh, and I appreciate the city attorney's office bringing everything in line, make sure that uh, we're doing what is best to make sure that we're, we're focusing on, on uh, these important issues. So, do I have a motion on the council? A motion. You have a motion. Go ahead, say that again. Motion to approve ADI. It's 8E, actually. It's a misprint. So it's 8E. We have e. a motion to approve 8E. Do we have a second? Awesome. We have a second. All in favor? Aye. 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 
The motion passes. Uh, Madam City Clerk, could you read this into the record? Ordinance of the City Council of the City of Vacaville amending Title 14 of the City of Vacaville Municipal Code by updating Division 14.02 entitled Interpretations and Definitions, Division 14.09 entitled Zoning, Division 14.11 entitled Subdivisions, Division 14.26 entitled Urban Stormwater Quality Management and Discharge Control, and Division 14.19 entitled Grading as shown in Exhibits B, C, D, and Thank you. And with that, we will move on to item 8F, Mr. City Manager. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, Vice Mayor, members of the City Council. Uh, this next item before you is the um, engineer's report confirming the landscape lighting district assessments. Our public works director, Brian McLean, is here with the presentation. Good evening, Mr. Mayor, Vice Mayor, and City Council. Tonight, we're holding the annual uh, Lighting and Landscape Assessment District uh, levy public hearing. Uh, the city annually levies and collects special assessments for neighborhood parks, street landscaping areas, drainage and detention basins, open space, and street lighting. These special assessments are needed to maintain, operate, and service these particular improvements. Uh, these special assessments um, were established under the Landscape and Lighting Act of 1972, and it prescribes three specific steps to ensure that the levy goes forward appropriately. First is the uh, approval to direct the preparation for the engineer's report, and that was approved by council on February 14th of this year. The second step in June, uh, on that June 13th meeting, a city council granted preliminary approval of the engineer's report and set the meeting for tonight's public hearing. This year's engineer's report identified 134 different landscape and lighting districts. The maximum allowable assessment increase of 3% is prescribed within that 1972 lighting and landscape assessment district law. Um, with that said, um, we have 48 district levies that are scheduled for increased, nine district levies which will remain unchanged, 61 districts which will be decreased, and 16 district levies which will not be assessed because those improvements won't be completed within this upcoming fiscal year. This item is exempt from CEQA. Uh, and in terms of fiscal impact, for fiscal year 23-24, the assessment, which is the total levy generated by the, the assessment, is approximately $4.1 million. The general fund subsidy is two parts, um, with a total of at a total of $1.7 million. The first part is $404,000, which is a 10% general citywide use contribution. And the second piece, which is approximately $1.3 million, is the district shortfall levy gap that the general fund is providing. The strategic goal is initiative 2B, manage impacts from growth, and initiative 4A, ensure fiscal sustainability. For that, the recommendation is by simple motion, adopt the subject resolution, and that concludes my presentation, and I'm happy to answer any questions. I don't see any questions from the council. I'm gonna open it up to the public for any comments or questions. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Uh, just needed some clarification as we were in a previous meeting discussing and then going through the documents. 
the change uh, is this the same program that we were discussing as far as eliminating some of the Melarus lighting and landscape districts and then incorporating citywide or is this the separate one from uh, 1972 that we're already being assessed that that's my first question okay any other questions and then I'll, then I'll um, make sure the answers actually if you could clarify that the CFDs would be different than the landscape and lighting is that, is that correct correct okay that that's what I needed to know so as I read the the report for instance my place says $151 and change and it's going to remain the same $151 and change and that's money that goes for my neighborhood parks correct and that all of the houses in the North Orchard area are being assessed that and that all that money goes into our park is that correct sir so what I'll do once you're complete, is it, do you have any other questions? I think that's enough. Okay, thank you. Uh, so if you could answer the question, I understand where, what he's asking, but I'm sure you do too. That is correct. The levy that's assessed per the specific district for each of the districts goes to maintain that specific district and its amenities. And the landscape and lighting. Correct. Yes, sir. Thank you. Sir. Uh, I'm Tony Smith and uh, good evening, council. I live in the Browns Valley area. I've been a resident in Vacaville since 1951. Um, the landscape and lighting issue I have is, the question I have, are we paying for full-time employees and we're getting contractors in part-time that work in our areas, okay? Um, some trees and shrubs have died and the strips and medians, the contractors water but very little at times. And so there was a couple of stone pines in our area that fell into the street. They trimmed the bottom of them, but they didn't thin the tops. So we lost some trees in that area. I will say that at the park, they planted trees finally at Browns Valley Park because the redwoods died. You know, it's, they need a lot of water. So I understand they, they couldn't make it. I do appreciate that. But the problem is there's 134 districts. Don't you think that's kind of ridiculous? 134 districts, it should be a citywide maintenance district. I pay for parks that other people use. So why don't we have a citywide maintenance district? Uh, that I think should be changed. And everybody would probably pay a little less or be more equal. Some people pay, pay more, like at Arbor Oaks, they don't pay much. Uh, where I live, I'm paying for open space, uh, the medians, the strips, and the park. So anyway, um, also, when you have meetings, when you have park planning meetings, when they have the neighborhood park meetings, there should be somebody from maintenance there. Park superintendent, the workers, somebody from maintenance should be at these meetings. It's usually the landscape architect, Hugh Estrament or somebody, which is fine, but they need maintenance people there. Over the years, I've lived here a long time and they eliminated services. Stump grinding of the city trees, that went by the wayside. Senior discount for water, that was another issue, went by the wayside. Field prep for sports, out at Keating, all these parks, the coaches do all that. They do all the work, pretty much. There used to be inmates at CMF, and the city didn't want to pay for the guard. We pay for all these other things. The guard had like 12 inmates, trustees out there would work every day, cleaning up, watering, dragging, chalking, all that. I know there's other parks to be considered, but that was a win-win situation. Inmates, and, and all you had to do is pay for the guard. These are things that 
that I, you see over the years that happened, all these parks and things. Um, we're gonna pay for, um, we also are paying now for rental fees, which is fine. We're paying rental for the parks. I coach Pony and we pay rental fee. And we'd like to have a little bit more assistance with things. It would help a lot. The coaches buy, we bought the gators with the league. We bought the chalk, we buy all the equipment. So, this, you know, the city does what they can and I know the budget's pretty tight. And I would like to see some changes on that kind of stuff. We're gonna pay the higher assessments that's coming up and rent all these parks. And this is National Park Month and all that. Well, it would be nice to start thinking about that for a change because who uses the parks? Thank no. you. Thank you. And I'm going yes. to ask him to answer the okay. questions that he thinks he can get to, but I appreciate bringing, bringing those questions okay. forward. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Mayor. I, I do have uh, answers to those questions. First off, related to uh, contractors and watering or general maintenance questions, um, we have our phone number uh, for the maintenance division. It's 469-6500, and the citizenry are more than welcome to contact maintenance. Uh, to respond to any kind of maintenance issues that are out in the field. Um, as far as the trees at Browns Valley, um, we finally did get trees to establish there. Um, we had actually an issue with the soil there. We had to bring out a, a soil expert uh, to investigate why we were losing those trees. And once we were able to identify what that issue was, we were able to finally get those trees established. Um, in terms of the park commission and ensuring that a somebody from maintenance uh, is at that meeting, that is the park manager. The park manager does uh, attend the park commission meetings. And as far as uh, the uh, CDC staff, the correctional um, staff that uh, are utilized by maintenance, we have not stopped using uh, those staff. They are still in service of the city of Vacaville when the uh, the prison allows those staff to be able to, to be available. So. Uh, I think that is the majority of those questions. Thank you. I mean, they're great questions, but it's good to be able to inform the public, so I appreciate that. Yes, good evening. I just have a, a quick question. Um, under the section where you have strategic plan um, goals forward slash initiative, initiative 2B, manage impacts on growth, initiative 4A, ensure fiscal sustainability, um, where can the public find that part? It wasn't like a, a hyperlink to any of the information, no slides or anything. So where could we find that information so that we can read on it? The city's strategic plan and those goals it should be on. It's on. It's on our website. Uh, do we have a specific link? Because uh, I, I, I'm actually on the website and I'm not finding a hyperlink. We will this get that. So I appreciate we'll, that. We'll I know it. I know it. it's there. I just don't. I don't memorize the hyperlink. Can I just write my councilman to get it then? That's what we I could need do. We could do that, or we could make an announcement here before the end of the end of this. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate it that. We we should be able to get that to you. Thank you. Because we do what we try to do is, is uh, when we are making recommendations, staff tries to work along with the guidelines of the council so that the work that's being done identifies with what those strategic plan goals are. So appreciate that. Thank you. Any other uh, member wishing to uh, provide public comment on this item? So with that, I'm going to close public comment, bring it back to the council, and uh, again, thank you for all the hard work that's being done. Uh, I don't know if there's any other comments that you can make or Mr. City Manager. I mean, certainly we understand that there is, um, there's the challenges because there's a lot of uh, LNL districts, but that's just the nature of where we're at right now. It is something that the, the city can look, look at into the future. 
Thank you very much. Do I have a motion? Just a quick comment. Yes. Um, so going uh, about the CS, uh, so I'm on the chair of the Citizens Advisory Committee between CSP Solano and CMF. Uh, during COVID, they had to stop allowing uh, inmates to go out and do their thing as in years past. So that kind of shut down for about two, two, uh, about two years or so. Um, and so that's something that's slowly reinitiated, but laws have changed, uh, times have changed. Uh, there's something called the early release program. So a lot of potential can, can inmates who uh, would be trusted or um, ideal candidates to participate in that, uh, that pool has essentially um, gotten much smaller through, through these past couple of years. So uh, that said, uh, just, you know, uh, it was pretty widely publicized, but uh, was it last year? Um, when there was there was actually um, some inmates actually saved a woman's life uh, was being attacked. So, um, anyways, so I just one I, I want to make sure that to clarify some of those challenges that that exist that was brought up, um, but also um, also extend my appreciation to uh, particularly CMF um, who oversees that particular program. So, and I'm I'm good to motion approve eight F. So we, we have a motion and uh, we have a second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? With that, the, the motion passes and thank you very much. I know that's a lot to manage, but appreciate all the work that you and your staff are doing. So, Mr. Senior Manager, we're moving on to business 9A. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, Vice Mayor, members of the City Council. Tonight's item, uh, next item is your proposed budget for fiscal year 2023-2024. And I will be giving a brief overview and recap of this particular budget with the help of my team over there. Presentation pulled up, and then we'll... Bye, please. Thank you. So keeping with the theme of, of recapping a very large process with a very large document, tonight we present to the City Council your consideration the 2023-2024 fiscal year budget. And as you can see on this particular slide, um, this very important document for the city has undergone a lot of uh, review through the course of uh, the first half of this year. And just to summarize, um, uh, you know, we've done quarterly budget updates uh, for the past uh, three, four years now to make sure that the council is aware of what is happening uh, with the city's budget, keep you informed about how things are being spent, as well as, um, you know, forecasting what lies ahead. We've had multiple budget study sessions, including one on May 23rd, where we introduced the process to the council. We talked about the big picture. We looked at specific budget augmentations that uh, we're considering, as well as uh, a game plan for Measure M and how that would be used. And then finally, our five-year forecast. Um, budget study session uh, number two, we got into the specifics of our operating budget. We had departments present their presentations for how they intend to use, um, you know, the budget going forward for this year, and lastly, the capital improvement budget summary. What's also not on here, though, is, is that we, when we had our all-day retreat um, in, in May, we presented a updated budget discussion and had a lengthy discussion about the budget going forward as well. And then lastly, I would mention that in full transparency, we ensured that the draft document um, that is being considered tonight was released to the public over uh, several weeks ago for their review and consideration. Thanks, please. So this is um, this particular budget team, mine's fourth budget presented to the council and um, nothing stays the same. Uh, each budget has been different and unique 
and that reflects the current economy and, and just what's going on and what are the priorities going forward. So we've had to adapt each time, and this year is no different. But you know, once again, we you know keep the council's goals and priorities um, at, at you know right there at the forefront of putting this budget together. And so, because of what's happening in the world's economy right now, we continue to have a fiscally conservative yet a strategic approach. Um, but the theme that I think that uh, I would characterize our budget, the, this particular budget as well as though, is that we're investing in the future of Vacaville. We're investing, continuing investing in the organization, but also more importantly, I think um, you'll see throughout this budget that there's strong investments back into the community. So with that, you know, the reason for our conservative approach, of course, is that, you know, with inflation and, and the slowing economy, it raises concerns. But because the council's foresight and our um, your policies related to the reserves, we have a very strong reserve balance that um, would alleviate those because of that, we are actually proposing uh, uh, for the first time to dip into your uh, reserves for particular CIP projects, as well as pensions, uh, additional pensions to go towards the unfunded liability. Um, and again, that shows that we're trying to maintain those council goal priorities of fiscal sustainability, as well as investing into the community. And while we're proposing those particular, uh, you know, that one time uh, dipping into the reserves, the ongoing expenses in uh, the budget tonight that's presented to you, um, we do have a balanced budget for you. Um, we are remaining fiscally responsible while addressing the big picture, quality of life, and those very important issues that uh, we brought up a couple years ago related to structural and foundational challenges that uh, go along with the budget. Next slide, please. Some of your highlights, and again, there's a lot in that particular dom document, but some of the things that we wanted to point out for you tonight is that we're addressing community and public safety issues in the budget. We're um, addressing traffic signal repairs. We're um, proposing improvements to the Play for All Park lighting uh, program, and we're also working on important storm drain improvements <coughs> related to flood control um, issues. We're proposing to expand the uh, um, organization uh, very minorly compared to last year's budget. While there's seven positions recommended, it actually is a net increase of four positions that we shared with you at the first uh, budget study session. Um, the next part is that we're continuing to reconnect uh, through with the community through our new investment and improvement programs as well as events. Uh, we are planning to complete multiple um, Measure M park improvements uh, throughout the community. We'll continue our neighborhood cleanup program, the Make a Difference Day that we do two times a year that's been very successful. Uh, we have our downtown specific plan investments, youth scholarship program, and our council district program. We'll also look to continue to expand our community engagement and communications plan, including a community policing outreach effort. And then, of course, our uh, fire department's apprenticeship program. The other effort that we've continued to invest in is our biotech energy efficiency, which is a new one, and the housing initiatives that council approved tonight, uh, with, starting with the housing element, goes a long way towards doing that. Next slide, please. And as you see by hitting those highlights, it addresses the, the five goals, uh, overarching goals that the council has in your strategic plan. And, and all those when worked together and, and um, equally invested into, we believe creates the at the heart of that uh, model there, which is a vibrant city. So once again, uh, we're happy to present to the council a budget that we feel invests in each of these areas so that it does go towards creating that vibrant community that we're um, all here to serve. Next slide, please. So this is a picture of the uh, 
total operating budget for the for the general fund and the successor agency. Um, this particular year, we have a total operating budget of 282 million. This represents a 10% increase over last year's budget. And um, that is really a reflection of the new labor agreements that have been included um, in this past year's uh, budget, com comparatively speaking. It also represents the addition of those uh, 20 positions that council was uh, gracious to uh, approve as part of last year's budget. But it also reflects um, you know, some of the challenges that we've been dealing with with regards to inflationary and, and the economy. Um, capital improvement budget, just under 57 million. Again, more improvements into the community, and this is where you'll see traffic signal improvements, uh, improvements to the Lattice Neighborhood Park, um, additional sewer improvements in our downtown specific plan. Um, and in addition to uh, infrastructure work in our downtown specific plan, it also includes a continued ongoing commitment to the downtown specific plan with uh, additional funding going to improvements that we're uh, looking forward to presenting to council that are more on the visual and the aesthetic side as opposed to just underground which we've been doing over the past couple of years and this is really all about placemaking and drawing people downtown so that they can benefit from all the the, the fun events that the city continues to put on down there um, and then as i mentioned earlier um, we'll be wrapping up multiple measure m park improvements this year that uh, we started out a while ago uh, but now we are intending to finish uh, quite a few of those next slide so this particular uh, uh, chart here is something that you've seen um, before. This just shows how the uh, operating budget is divided amongst the different departments. You'll see that the city's operating budget is just over $275 million, and the successor agency's operating budget is just under $7 million there. Um, you, that is in the housing and uh, successor agency budget. Next slide, please. So this is a slide showing uh, where we get, generate our revenue from. And for the most part, you'll see here that it's related to taxes. Property tax and sales tax uh, represent nearly 65% of our general fund revenue sources. Um, sales tax new growth has helped offset the decrease in cost over the past year related to parks and rec and tourism decreases because of you know uh, continued outfall from the pandemic. But because of um, our well-balanced land use in our community and the combination of retail sectors that we have here, uh, we've been able to ride through quite well. Right, please. Here's a breakdown of the general funds allocated by departments. Um, for the most part, this remains consistent to the past four years in our budgets. There's only a, probably a 1% change um, in our public works and park and rec departments, but all the other departments are um, with the past trends. Uh, just note that you do not see housing uh, and community services as well as the utilities departments on this particular pie chart because those are departments that are not funded by the general fund. All right, this next one is our five-year forecast. And you'll see that uh, this is an updated forecast, but it's fairly consistent with what we've presented to you in the past. Um, this is... Uh, shows that in the top two lines you'll see that the uh, represent the projected revenues as in the columns represent the projected expenses over the life of the forecast uh, we anticipate to see ongoing revenues to exceed the ongoing expenses but the margin is tightening compared to to prior forecasts and the reason for that is because as we mentioned um, you'll with the inflationary adjustments and and uh, so forth 
Um, we are proposing to, to make a one-time dip at this moment uh, into our um, reserves. Uh, but the combined general fund reserve, which is the green line across the bottom of the chart there, represents the reserves from the general fund as well as Mezzarum general fund. Um, the policy that the council adopted several years ago is to have a policy target of 16 to 25%, which represents a two to three month reserve. And as you can see throughout our forecast, we maintain if not exceed that uh, very healthily, which is um, unfortunately something I can say that our neighboring cities don't have the, the benefit of. So I appreciate the council's foresight uh, to establish those policies. Next slide. Now we're getting into some of the, the mandated requirements that we're obligated to do as part of um, budget approval. The Public Employees Pension Reform Act, also known as PEPRA, requires the adoption of a publicly available salary schedule. Additional legislation in the form of SB 1436 requires a call out of all executive compensation. So with the adoption of the salary schedule that um, we have included in the budget, as well as the slide that we have next, if you can show that, with this particular slide, we meet all of those requirements. Thank you. So now the, 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 the enjoyable part. Um, and this is where I get to say thank you to everybody because we can't do this without everyone's help. First and foremost, I want to acknowledge the community uh, for your continued uh, support of Measure M, for first uh, agreeing to participate and do that in self-taxation. It was originally approved in 2012 and extended in 2016. It provides a uh, locally controlled funding measure to preserve essential services that protect the safety and quality of life in Vacaville. It also allows for new reinvestment into the community through new projects, programs, and services. And I think if you look at how our measure and budget has, you know, we've gone over that in those different budget study sessions, you will see, and again, that that graphic where we have all the five different goals. Measure M is invested in all of those areas because we recognize that it's important to balance that investment into the community. And finally, Measure M provides additional reserves for the general fund if needed. I'd like to thank the city council, um, first and foremost for your leadership in establishing the financial policies and practices to create the general fund reserves. Uh, it's a, we appreciate your strategic investment in the organization in the community. Um, as I said, for the past four budgets now, um, it has been variable. And each time though, um, council has been very responsive and supportive, holding true to those um, policies, um, but also recognizing that there's a lot of work to be done. And you asked us to um, come back to you with um, strong recommendations, and we did. Thankfully, the council was very supportive of that. And we have um, built a very strong uh, organization that can accomplish many things and there's much to be done ahead. And we know that with the approval of this budget, we're getting that much closer to completing those things. Investing into the organization as well as most important. Um, appreciate your vision, the strategic plan, um, the goals and initiatives with the adoption of the original strategy back in 2020, 21. Um, we had a recent goal setting session where you prioritize the strategies for this upcoming budget. And as was mentioned earlier in one of the earlier presentations tonight, um, we use those goals, priorities, and implementation strategies for everything we do. And that's why it's included on your staff reports as to you know, where that money's going, why it's going there, and what goal is it implementing. And so I appreciate 
your support for that. And then of course it establishes the budget priorities going uh, ahead many years. Of course, I also need to acknowledge on the next slide, um, our staff. Uh, I'd like to thank all the city department heads as well as your staff for once again, another very collaborative um, involvement process and uh, really bowling up your sleeves. Um, I know that uh, I asked all of them to give me your top priorities and be very frugal and very strategic about it and that you did. And so I'm very grateful for that. Um, it's not an easy process. There's a lot of uncertainty out there and with your help um, and if uh, we are once again presenting a, a balanced. And of course, last but not least, uh, the very important group of our budget team led by Ken Matsumia, our finance director, Leslie Hoover, budget manager, John Collette, our budget analyst, and Krista Groner, the executive assistant. They make my job very, well, I won't say, very uh, much easier to handle. Careful. <laughs> they, 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 keep, they, keep, they keep us honest and they do a fantastic job for us. It's, it's not an easy task and um, they do a fantastic job. Next slide, please. So um, the budget will continue to be a living, breathing document for the city council. We will continue to provide quarterly budget updates to keep the council and the community informed so that we can track our progress and make adjustments on the budget as needed because it is a living, breathing document. At the goal setting session, we identified some projects that we need to explore and come back with you um, to give you updates. And so depending on what that, um, those evaluations reflect, uh, we understand that we may have to pivot once again. So we appreciate uh, your flexibility and your support. So on the last slide, Second to last slide, <laughs> we have four simple uh, recommendations for you, four resolutions. First one, to approve the operating budget for the fiscal year 2023-24, to approve the successor agency operating budget, to approve the capital improvement program budget, and finally approve the current pay schedule in accordance with the government code. With that, me and the team are available to answer any and all questions from you or the Thank you, and thank you for all the staff's work on this. Uh, I know how difficult it is and how long it takes you to work on this, me personally, so I appreciate that. Councilmember Chapman. Uh, okay, I'll go ahead and ask you. Uh, where, uh, um, city manager, where within the diagram would I find information pertaining to the work to be done or to be planned and done along Alamo and Peabody in the Payton area. Uh, since this is a five, you know, this budget represents uh, not just one year of work to be done. And I know that I have a meeting scheduled with traffic and all, but where would I find, or where would I assume, or where is the money budgeted in this budget for work to be considered in that area? It's so one of the top, priorities here? Well, so that is a priority that was um, that was raised by your predecessor. Okay. And it, it was expressed as an interest as to, you know, some challenges in that particular district that you represent. So we have um, invested in, in an evaluation of, of that particular neighborhood and, and some of the concerns that were raised by your predecessor. And there is um, quite a bit of feedback and analysis that we wanted to sit down with you and share with you. Um, there is not an easy fix. 
for some of the things that were identified. And so our goal is to sit down with you, share that information with you, and then depending on um, you know how you see where we go next, that is something that we can talk about and bring back to the collective council as a whole so that we can talk about where does that fit in the overall priorities for the CIB budget going forward, okay? Okay, thank you for letting me know that it's, uh, those were concerns of my predecessor. However, those were my concerns as well. Understood. Oh, and, just and, wanted and, to clarify that. No, absolutely, okay. I understand that you share those. I simply mentioned your predecessor because that started the work to get the study going. But it's, it's still at that stage, and so it's not in um, the strategic plan document that you know council relies on. Talks about um, doing master plans and looking at you know keeping this this uh, roadway network safe. And there's all kinds of different angles towards that. But the strategic plan in and of by itself does not call out specific improvements. We do that and we evaluate the, the needs and, and priorities and, and so forth um, as part of the CIP project, as part of your development impact fees and, and things of that manner. Then we bring that to council for discussion as part of um, you know CIP budgets and so forth. Because this one is at that beginning stage, it's not reflected in, in specifically in the strategic plan or in this particular budget. But that's not to say that as we continue the dialogue with you, representing that district now, and then bringing that back to the, the bigger picture conversation that it won't be necessarily something that couldn't be included in a future budget. Um, sooner than later, maybe we can have- Just need uh, that meeting with you. Say what? We just need to have that meeting with you to kick things okay, off. Okay, we're going to uh, team uh, colleagues. I'm meeting with the city manager this week. <laughs> okay, sooner than later. Yes, ma'am. Well, uh, there is a priority ahead of me, and I, I respect that. Maybe next week. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Um, not seeing in, in the immediate questions. Well, I do see some now. Councilmember Silva. <clears throat> Thank you, Mayor. Um, so just the uh, city manager and I had a talk earlier today, and I was just hoping you can just maybe briefly elaborate more on my question regarding uh, how, in, how do we continue to ensure that we have some evaluation of efficient services and that the positions that we have are still fulfilling the need uh, of the people? Um, and when they don't, how do we, um, different mechanisms that we can adjust for that so that we're best utilizing our funds? Thank you, Council Member Silva. So um, I wouldn't say that there's necessarily a very structured process in that regard, but I will tell you that just by the sheer fact that we have had quite a few new um, department heads put in their positions recently um, has brought forth a lot of departmental evaluation and organizational evaluation. And I will tell you that working with this particular group, um, we meet regularly monthly. We talk about the efficiencies of the organization. Uh, we look at the strategic plan and goals of what council is hoping to accomplish and we look at how do we accomplish those in the most efficient manner with the resources that we have um, and as a result with you know some of the new blood that we have um, there have been um, departmental assessments completed to look at you know business best practices new business models uh, for efficiency sake and so forth 
Um, you've seen some uh, realignments, uh, for example, between the utilities and the public works department to um, not only comply with state law, but make with new law, but to make the process more efficient and effective. Um, and so through those efforts, um, we're continuously looking at what is the best business model to provide the best services in a timely, efficient, and cost-effective manner. Um, and that is something that I work with the department heads on a regular basis to make sure that we're doing. Um, we do, um, again, some departments um, are doing departmental audits, departmental assessments to make sure that they're meeting all the needs for providing the services that are expected with their departments. So I hope that addresses your, your, your comments. I'm going to open it up to the public for any comment. Good evening. I'm under the assumption that a big purpose of this meeting is to give the public a clear picture. Is that true? asking you is that true this is this is Thank to you. conduct the business of of tonight but this it's is also to give the public a clear picture i don't have a clear picture sure all i would tell you is is what was missing out of this other than there was a slide on here that there's been no less than three other council meetings covering all the items leading up to this conclusion that's all misunderstood me okay I didn't ask you whether the council understood it asked you if the public, if the voters, if the residents understood it. Hear my question now? Thank you. A little example of clarity before I get to the bigger picture. There's a slide that I think a lot of people would care to know. That slide was moved so fast I couldn't believe it. I, I don't think it was up to five seconds. And that's well, how much people were being paid. Now, as a member of the public, I'd kind of like to see how much, how much are people making? That thing went flying by. Thank you, sir. Okay? That's not clarity. Now, clarity. Questions. What is the total annual budget proposed for the year? One number. What is it? Is it 336 million? Sure, just to, first of all, just address the questions. So you. Many, just ask the questions, and and our staff is writing them down so that at the conclusion. Oh, you want all the, the questions? Sure, that's what your time is for. You got it. Okay, here we go. What is the total annual budget being proposed? Okay. What was last year's total annual budget? You have a reserve fund. How much is it? How much of that reserve fund will you be using this year? Reasonable questions. Question, they weren't answered. Um, in addition, in planning going forward, property taxes, property values are slightly decreasing. This indicates the property taxes won't be increasing. Sales taxes may, may or may not be increasing. Yes, on the surface, inflation increases them but economic issues don't increase them. In your planning, what is your planning regarding an anticipated income from property taxes and sales taxes? And how does that compare to the budget? In common sense, what's my total 
this year, how much are you increasing it? What's total next year? What do you expect? How much of that money for this coming year will we be using out of that background, that fund? What is the size of the fund? And, and what is the uh, picture regarding the income coming in for this year? Now, I she showed a nice five-year chart, but I, I don't want to ask a more specific question. We are looking at a year where there's certainly some considerations where property taxes may not go up, they may go down, but certainly not go up, and sales taxes may or may not go up or down. What is your planning on that? What is your estimates on that? Those are my questions. And I think that those are reasonable public questions, and they weren't made clear to the public. Maybe they were made clear. Maybe you guys know them because you've been in many, many meetings. But I say to you again, and I ask as a question, John, isn't one of the purposes of this meeting to communicate to the public? Is it right? And that was not communicated, well, and that is basic you, information. Thank you, sir. You got it. Thank you. You got and it. We're going to we're going to address them, and and just um, I appreciate those questions. You you can have a seat. I'm going to have them take the time to answer some of these questions, and they're all great questions. Right, and and all I would uh, add to this is, and and maybe our staff will be able to address it is a lot of those questions do get asked and answered under uh, the, the former council meetings prior to coming to tonight, that's, that's all. But we can answer some of those questions. Sir, 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 it's okay. We're gonna answer some of the questions. Sir, sir, appreciate your questions. Can you answer some of those questions? I can, no, thank, thank you. you. Thank you for the questions. And so as far as what is the total budget, that is this slide right here. So the total operating budget for the current for the upcoming fiscal year is the $282,481,152. Uh, if you want to compare that to last year's adopted budget, that number. Now listen, sir, 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 this is not a debate. You ask the questions. What we're going to do is we're going to keep some order and, and he's answering the questions and let us ask the questions. Okay. Sure. Sure. Please go ahead. So the operating budget last year that was approved was 257 million, I'm sorry, 264 million, 616,873 dollars. There is another budget on here for the capital improvement budget, that 56 million, 827,054 dollars. And so we do adopt separate budgets. So there is an operating budget that gets adopted. There is also a CIP budget or the capital improvement budget that gets adopted as well. The CIP budget for last year, can look it up, but I believe it, okay, thanks was $40,668,747. So those are the, the two different budgets that do get adopted. And that's why we have multiple resolution items uh, with this item. As far as um, there was a question of how much of the reserve that we're dipping into. And so if we can go to the forecast slide. So if we look at the, the column for fiscal year 23, we anticipate that for the year, that's the current fiscal year that we're in, that we're gonna end at 54.6 million. That's our, our combined general fund reserve. Based off of the budget that we're proposing and the revenues that we're anticipating to come in for next year, we're expecting that the combined general fund reserve will end at 51.2 million. So we'd be dipping to the reserves for about 3.4 million. That's gonna be how much we would be dipping into it. Um, there was a question on, I believe, uh, sort of sales tax and property tax and the impact that has. 
So we work with an outside consultant, HGL. They work with a lot of agencies throughout the state. They have a, a really good sense of sort of sales tax trends throughout the state, but also in this region. That's built into this forecast, not only for the upcoming year, but over the five-year forecast. Property tax, there is a lag with property tax. And so a lot of the property tax values are going to be based off of what the assessed values were as of January. And so um, although the, the speaker is absolutely correct, we know that property tax values are falling. We're not anticipating that that's going to impact our, our property tax revenues in the upcoming year. But we do anticipate that when you start with fiscal year 25, that we're not going to see the, the large increases that we've seen in the past. And so that also is built into the forecast. And while um, you know sales prices are dropping, uh, you, you are going to have new construction that occurs. And so that is something that we'd also want to factor in as well. Um, I think there was a question on, I think those were the main questions. I think those were the, the three that I could think of. Sure, just to be fair, did we miss a question? I'm going to give you an opportunity just briefly, not another three minutes, but did, did we miss a question? Simple. Yes. That's complicated. Very simple. Question one What is the total budget, total budget for everything last year? It was 264. Yeah, we'll have to um, maybe take out a calculator. And, it's the and combination do that. of 282 and 56, yes? That's for the upcoming year. So 338 million. Thank you. Number one. That's the proposed budget, yes? Yep. 338. What was the total last year? With simple numbers. What was the total? Well, I think you're, just so I know, and so just address the questions to us. What was the total last year? I think what the, with that, I believe it's trying to understand what the CIP budget was in addition to what you had reported. Sure. So last year it was 265, I'm rounding here, million plus 40 million. Plus 40. So 305. Total was 265, including the budget? Plus, plus 40 million. Oh, plus 41. So the total is uh, three, 305, 305, 306. And the well, sir. So, so the percentage is also there's. It's more complicated than that because there's also the decisions to to spend money on CIP projects are going to vary from year to year. So it's not a, it's not a linear line of just an increase of budget when you're adding CIP. Well, sir. Okay. Well, we'll bring, sir. I'm going I'm to bring that back to the council for discussion. But your question is is very much made aware to us, and we we have the ability to have this discussion. So, sir, sir, is, does anybody else want to address the council? Sir, sir, we're going to take a break. If you don't, if you're not willing to sit down and for us to continue, we're going to take a break. Okay, this stands in recess, right? Now we're going to take a break at ten minutes, and then we'll be back in ten minutes. Thank you. The, the brief pause that we had in, in the middle of this presentation, but uh, it opened up for some good um, ideas as we move forward. So we're gonna continue with this meeting. And uh, with that, I will bring this back open to the public comments. So let's just bring that back open to the public. City Manager, I would like, one thing I would like to see about the budget is parks and rec. To me, I consider that two departments. 
and 7%, yeah, it's pretty low, I think, and public works, those two, two departments. I, I, I think those need more money than 7%, 11%. That seems awfully small to me. Those are pretty big departments. They do a lot of work for the city, I know. You know, the aesthetics in a city are everything. If you drive through a city, you know what it's maintained like when you see everything visually. And public works and those guys, the parks, that's where you're going to get more people to want to do business here and be here if you have a city that looks nice and beautiful, you know. So that's all I have to say just real quick. All right, thank you. Thank you. I really like what you said about that. You know, I commuted up here for 10 years from Fairfield to take my kids to school up here, to be involved in all the public, um, you know, activities and stuff for for the youth here. Vacco is very good, so I can agree with him on that. Um, one of the things that I had a question on, though, is that back in 2020, um, we had a lot of insanity going on. We had a lot of riots. We had BLM protesting down here, going after our police department. And one of the things that I always do is I always like to hear what the other side has to say. So I made many, many conversations with the organizers that were doing the protests down here. And one of the things that we talked about was the police department. And um, I asked him, I said, so why are you um, coming after our police department? What do you know about our police department? And they knew everything. They knew your hiring practices. They knew your procedures. Um, they knew everything about police, about our police department. And they said, you guys have a really good police department. And I asked them, well, why are you here? Well, it's the mission. It had nothing to do with our police department being racist or anything like that. It was the mission. So what I find interesting was that in your budget, you have a community policing outreach specialist. You want to add $71,000 back into your budget and put it to public you know, parks and recs? That's where you put it because our police department is stellar. So I'm kind of hoping that somewhere down the line in your budget, you'll consider getting rid of this consultant. And also start looking at how many consultants are you paying in the city of Vacaville to advise you on things. You know, and some of these, I, I believe me, I work with consultants all the time. Some of them are really a big waste of money. So maybe you want to start looking in there to pick your, your budget apart, okay? That's just my recommendation. But thank you for all that you do, because I know managing budgets is not a fun task. So anyway, thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> I, I want to echo that as far as the, the consultant and the community policing thing. I was very active in that and participated. Uh, our police department is still, I'm not trying to blow smoke up the, anyway, the, the police department and the city in general. I mean, when I worked here, we really didn't have the kind of problems that, in my opinion, that uh, this consultant, and I'd like to see that money pulled out of that and, and put into some real stuff like, like the parks. My two cents, thank you. Thank you. One else, it uh, looks like I think we're, wraps that up. So I'm gonna go ahead and bring this back to the council. Or any further comments uh, on the on this year's budget adoption? Councilmember Silla. Just um, some clarifying questions that came up. Uh, where can, if people have questions about salaries, where can they find that information on our website? Uh, question number one. I think probably in HR, I'm going to 
I don't want to make an assumption, but I believe it's on the it's on the city's website under an HR link. But I'm get that information before. It's also attached to the staff report staff as well. Report. That's right. Thank you. But if anybody wanted to dynamically go there, they could go to the city's website. Um, and then uh, one of the, one of the reasons why I like the concept of the to, to the point of a, a a position that engages the community. Uh, not everybody, not everybody has had trust for a police department. Not everybody, um, in some cases, trust has been broken. And so, having somebody designated to help build those relationships or rebuild those relationships is really key. Um, and so, that's something that I. Uh, that's the that's the reason why I uh, personally support that particular effort because it's really important that we have trust um, in our public safety. It's important that we have trust in our local government, trust in each other. Um, and uh, so that that's where that's at. Uh, I feel um, I will share. Uh, so some of y'all know in, in a certain program, so I shared our budget and they're like, man, your economic development department is like super low funded. So right there. Um, so kind of to the point of Parks and Rec, uh, it was just interesting in, in that sense. And um, but I know there's a lot of uh, a lot of efforts to go that go through this to figure it out. And I know suggestions continue to come out on how we evaluate this and um, and and how we, again, uh, ensure that we're being fiscally responsible. So um, I appreciate, appreciate all, I'm ready to vote. Right, um, and I, I'm not certain that maybe there is an ability to comment that some of the funding that goes to Parks and Rec, especially on the, the recreation, is, uh, is offset with fees. So, I mean, there's more to it than just the simple budget for the FTEs, so. But uh, we do appreciate what we do have here in our community. Vice Mayor Wiley. Um, thank you for the presentation. On the one chart that has all the columns and everything else and shows the reserves, and so currently, what percent is our reserves? It's because it's really been high. Yeah, so at the end of uh, fiscal year 23, it's above 40%. And then if you were to take it all the way out to fiscal year 28, that's uh, it ends at 25%. But it's important to remember that that includes that um, voluntary payment that we're making towards the unfunded liability. If we were not to do that, as an example, then our, um, our reserve percentage at the end of 28 would be in the 30% range. The reason I was asking is uh, I'm going to vote in favor of this budget, even though we are dipping into our reserves, because I believe that the people of Vacaville, ha we, we want to spend the money for the people in Vacaville for parks and things that we need. So if we have a 40% reserve, I'm comfortable in taking it down and dip dipping into the reserves to spend it for things that we need in Vacaville. And even after all the time, it's still at 25%. And what is the required percentage? Is it 16%? It's 16 to 25% the range with 20% being the goal. All right, so that's why I'm in favor of this budget. Thank you. And I also just want to comment um, that it is important that our reserves, I mean, it, we've, we've been in difficult times in our, in, in our history, but the, the fiscal sustainability and also balancing it with economic development, I think is something that we can be proud of at the same time, be able to answer to the public for why we make decisions to dip into a reserve. Um, and, I, and I do believe that this year is, is being fiscally responsible in doing so. There's a balance between staff, uh, projects, and also our unfunded liability. So 
with that, I'm also in support of this budget. And uh, seeing no other comments, I'm going to entertain a motion. Do we have a motion and a second? All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? The motion passes and uh, appreciate all the hard work that uh, can you and staff and everyone because it's all departments putting a budget together. And so, and again, as a reminder, this comes back to us regularly anyway. So even though this is an operating budget, we're also able to adapt as we need to. So with that, we'll move on to the next item. And uh, this is um, 9B. It's a discussion of Council Member Silva's request to consider impl implementing a policy for informing new home buyers. This was based upon a prior ask. Uh, it's been moved through a few different councils or um, yeah, different uh, meetings just for, for time. But with that, I'm going to turn it over to Councilmember Silva to share and explain uh, his position or his ask, and then we'll open up for discussion. <clears throat> Thank you. So um, I've been on here for two and a half years, and from that time, I've heard from residents throughout our community. I've heard from uh, certain council members routinely about uh, alleged dishonest practices where uh, specifically uh, new people who go in to purchase a new home were told that, hey, there, there will be a new school. And so <clears throat> that, uh, whether they misunderstood or whatever it is, uh, from my position as a council member, when I seek, when I hear feedback, when I hear what people are sharing, um, and in certain cases it's, it's validated um, that those practices, those dishonest, potentially dishonest or alleged dishonest practices are taking place, uh, what it's done within our community is uh, these folks, when they move into a new development, they're looking at their Melrose Rouge taxes or whatever, whatever it may be. They're going based on the information that they told, they were told, and then as a result, um, they're turning to their city council uh, or whomever it is elected uh, at the local level and asking where are new schools. So anytime where we have now, the situation we have now, anytime that we put out something about a new housing development, one of the most common things that I hear concerns from residents is where's our new schools. Uh, and I think there's two different issues there. One, understanding how schools are funded and the challenges with that. Um, and then the other side of it, where residents, um, our current vacable residents, um, are, uh, again, according to them, being told that, hey, there's going to be new school. So um, this is a topic that's been coming up for two and a half years. And, uh, you know, we're talking a lot about housing and how we go about it. I think that when um, one of the one I mentioned in the previous item, that it's very important that we help develop trust, uh, that we have uh, that we have businesses that, again, are realtors, real estate folks, uh, developers, again, local government, um, any all of us that are held accountable that there is some element of accountability, that there is some uh, element of integrity in our practices and to a point protection of our, of our citizens um, and all our residents. So uh, in this sense, uh, one of the other things that, I, that, I, that really troubles me is that when folks say, hey, where's our new school? Um, you know, comments that I've heard uh, here and there throughout the past couple years is that, well, that's not the city's problem, that's the school district. And then school district could come back and say, well, you know, hey, that's, that's not something that we can do. Yes, we collect developer fees, but those developer fees aren't sufficient enough to meet 
the, de the cost of uh, developing and operating a, a K6, for example. And so, um, and part of that is because let's say, for example, we sell 300 homes that has X amount of uh, kids that have come in. Well, that's not sufficient to build a brand new school. Those kids didn't have to be in turn uh, go to existing sites. And that's why many of our sites currently have portables. Uh, it's a cheaper, quicker way to make sure that we can uh, accommodate those uh, those particular, um, the increase in flux of, pop, uh, of kids. Um, as a consequence, as our sites uh, get to, um, as our school districts uh, teeter that line between their ability to accommodate um, the existing population enrollment, um, but also to maximize it because there is a, a numbers, uh, they gotta be able to budget for that uh, based on how the state of California uh, allocates money uh, for uh, for enrollment. Um, collectively, this this just, it creates a problem, again, that there's a lot more to be discussed. So coming back to this particular item, um, if we talk about a problem statement, the problem statement that I'm hearing is that residents are being told uh, or are claiming that they're being told misinformation. And all that does is it breaks apart our, our community and makes it much more difficult for us to address the needs, um, particularly of our public school system. So <clears throat> what, what the, you know, last time when I put it out, uh, when I made the motion, I suggested an example. So one, two things I would consider. Um, so looking at different maps, uh, number one, I think one of the easiest solutions um, uh, some of this, let me back up. So one of the solutions that has been made uh, from different folks is that when somebody's purchasing a home, they need to do their due diligence. Well, if you look on certain city maps, on the, wherever it's zoned for schools, it'll say future, for example, future VUSD school site. So some may interpret future school site as, oh, a school is gonna be going here. When in reality, there's not sufficient funding, there's no tangible plans to be able to implement it so what I would suggest, and this is up for, for you know, discussion, is us going through and updating those particular documents to different verbiage that is more direct on potential school site or possible school site. Now, um, taking a step back, um, during our study session, staff did recommend a large, a large, um, a large information board that would include a QR code where people can scan that QR code, text them to a website, and that'll then uh, refer them to different sources of information. Um, while I know there's different opinions of how valuable that would be, I think that uh, in itself, uh, we have those particular uh, posts put up at different times. And personally, I don't, I, um, it may be beneficial for some, but unless you're actually driving by that particular open lot, I think the the access to that wouldn't the access to the information um, or their knowledge to be able to access that information would could potentially be uh, limited. Um, so, um, to the original or one thought of how we address making sure that people understand what they're purchasing is to have essentially one form um, that just highlights the actual enrollment status of the schools that are within the boundaries of where they're purchasing that home. And uh, in order to avoid all the finger pointing and blaming, um, with that big old stack of papers that we, many of us who purchase homes, um, having an additional form in there that highlights what the annual 
enrollment statuses of the schools going from K to 12 would be it helps ensure that uh, it helps ensure that those individuals are informed. And then when people come back to complain that, hey, I didn't I didn't know this, this and that. Uh, um, I'm sorry uh, you signed this. So we've all kind of been through similar situations. Um, so that that's the intent behind it. That's the thought or solution behind it or a potential solution that again, to find ways to help people, people uh, help make ensure that people are informed with accurate information. Um, and, um, and I know there's other questions surrounding that, but I'll kind of leave it at that. Unless y'all want me to keep going. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, we can open it up for our discussion if anyone on the council has um, questions or comments or thoughts. Councilmember Roberts. Yeah, I agree with uh, pretty much everything Councilmember Silva said. Um, yeah, I definitely changing the maps to saying like some like VUSD property because even say a potential school site can leave some wiggle room. So because I believe Director Morris might be correct, but AB 2295, the the school districts being able to convert school property into housing for their faculty. So they have the opportunity to do that. So instead of being school, you might get an apartment complex. It's very different than what it is. So just label it as like a blanket. BUSC's uh, property or land um, might be a good clarification, a good way to start. And then also a simple one page document that clearly points out the status of the schools that that property or that homeowner would be uh, working with, with their children. I think you yeah, had a simple, straightforward, they sign it. And that way there's no guessing about what's going on in their area regarding schools. Gonna, um, a couple of thoughts, though. We've all been through some difficult things here in the last six months when it comes to what appears to be improperly noticed land, people being frustrated, whether it was a school, the issue comes up about a school, or it's about uh, land use that uh, all of a sudden appears to be um, multifamily that was believed not to be. That's the challenge that we're facing. I, my concern is I recently attended a, a meeting with the school district and I said, can you tell me what the, you know, what the enrollment numbers are? And they said, absolutely. It's like, well, why, can you come to the city council and tell us and tell the public? And so one of the thoughts is, is those of you who are on two by twos is to figure a way, instead of trying to create an enforcement angle that the city is in control of, yeah, we would control it, but then we're responsible for some enforcement for a process that that how do, how do we manage an enforcement of not every realtor and not every development knows um, that if I'm selling in Vacaville versus if I'm selling in Fairfield, there's this process that's unique to Vacaville. And how can we actually accomplish what we're really trying to do is, is, is to understand is do we have a capacity issue with a school? It's a different section issue, I think, with the park. It's a different issue if it's a land use of, I was told there's no, they're never going to build there, and yet there's been signs for 10 years that say there's multifamily that's coming. And so we have to be honest with our, with, with our processes. And I do believe that you know, we had, a, we had a, um, a special meeting where there was some um, ideas brought up about how we can be more effective as a city, and maybe we can work with our, our school district partners to say, hey, how can we all work together on this? Uh, the world of QR codes and maybe using technology in a, their websites and our websites to really help inform them without trying to create an enforcement at the same time trying to get that compliance. 
so that we don't end up hearing it all the time and feeling the pressure. I like, I personally believe that there's a, there's a, there's always a creative way to do it that uh, isn't about the, the enforcement side that then city staff has to manage. At the same time, it actually may improve our process and say, here's a list of all our developments and it's linear listed, but it's geo mapped and you can click on it and you can see it. And, and I know part of this was the presentation that was at that special meeting, but it was very interesting about how we could do it. And maybe here's the one thing I do know, Vacaville Unified School District has capacity. And I lived across from a school where they kept adding trailers. It's like, when are you gonna build a school? Uh, the truth is, it's too expensive. And so even, even as there's been potentials in the past, we haven't seen new schools. We see land that they set aside, but that is something I think we as a council need to do a better job, maybe in our collaborative uh, partnership and our two by twos, and try to find a way that doesn't finger point across us and our stakeholders at the same time doesn't create an enforcement division within the city. Um, you're not wrong in your, in your thought process, in my opinion, I, I agree with you. I just, I just would, I don't wanna see us get into an enforcement side of, of a, a whole nother arm of, of local government. When what we're trying to do is encourage what we're trying to get. It seems like it'd be simple, but then who, who manages, how do you enforce it? Councilmember Stockton. Oh. I thought I was next uh, after oh, council. Sorry. But I, I'm happy to go, but I just didn't want to cut in front. Council member Chapman. I'll, I'll, no, I'll, we're sorry. being polite over here. I'll come back to you. I'm not used to being slighted, so I'll, 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 I'll give him a pass this time. <laughs> sorry if you understand. That's okay. <laughs> I wasn't looking. Okay. <laughs> Seriously, I turned it back oh. to you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay. Um, I definitely understand what Councilmember Silva, I understand the frustration and the need to, and the need to find a way to collaborate. I, I, I think, turn around. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. It's in front of me. All right. All right. I definitely understand the frustration and the desire to try to uh, find a way to make amends. Um, right now, with what I've learned about Vacaville Unified School District, after being on the district for 18 years, I know how it operates. I know, I know funding um, mechanisms have changed over time. However, I will state, and first of all, I'm going beyond the three minutes, guys. Um, uh, I understand that the state um, normally pass a bond, and when they do, um, if you get your app in, if the district uh, submits an application early enough, they get a piece of the funds, and they justify that by the enrollment. Um, I'm not sure the last time the state passed a bond, and um, I really don't know, but from the development fund fees that they receive and the funds from the state, they use that to build a school. Now, there are ways to negotiate with the developers. Well, back when we negotiated with the developers, and there were, I believe there were one or two that actually built the shell of a school. 
the, uh, they might have provided the property, the land, and built, built the shell and left it up to the school district to build out. There was a time when the state didn't have the funds, and that's when all those portables came in. The portables lined up all over the various campuses. I'm aware at this moment, and I'll speak of a school in, in District 4, um, two schools in District 4. One is a charter school, and the other one is Payton. Because Fairmont became a charter school, the children that were designated, or that was their school of residence, ended up having to go to Payton. Because Fairmont was now a charter, and you had to select whether or not you wanted your child to attend that school. So there are different things that go on within the school district that we are not privy to. And I hate to say it, but um, I got caught up. I don't hate to say it. I got caught up in that when we bought our home. We had a piece of property nearby that was supposed to be left as a, where's Brian? What is it called? Retention basin. And, uh, but it wasn't, they built apartments. Uh, they built houses, single family homes, and then apartments on the back side of it. So things change along the way. So part of the responsibility has to remain with the purchaser, the individual who wants to come here. And most people, first thing you do is you look at the school district. You find out what is the education like in the community. And that is part of the uh, part of your determination on whether or not you will buy in that particular area or even in the city. I really feel that um, a part, not a partnership, um, that a brainstorming. I'm gonna can't think of a better term right now. You can help me later. Of uh, maybe a representative from the uh, council someone from the uh, school district, and also a realtor, someone re representing the real estate and that industry to come together and talk about what can be done. I think as a city, we can, um, maybe when it comes to developers, we can put some language on there that consideration be given to um, the needs of the school district, and I don't know what else, but you know, I just think if we come together and brainstorm as a team, work together, how can we solve this problem that we so that we don't face people coming in with false information? No matter how many disclaimers we ask someone to put out there, it does not mean that it's going to be the disclaimer that you know they're going to include everything that we would like for uh, a new resident of Vacaville to receive. Councilmember Stockton. Yes, I uh, wanted to thank uh, Councilmember Silva for bringing this up. This has definitely been an ongoing, continuing conversation about how we can better inform and prepare people that are moving to Vacaville about what they can expect when they make this huge financial investment. Um, focusing on what we control, I definitely think we should change the language to something along the lines of with a date that says there are currently no projected plans to build a school on this site. I think it needs to be very, very clear. Um, 
I, I also wouldn't just like to ask staff when you're negotiating development agreements with some of these developers that maybe we include language within them about posting requirements, notifications, and things like that. I think that our local realtors, um, I mean, you're signing hundreds and hundreds of documents. I, I don't know how we're going to slip that in or if it'll have the effect that we really want. I'm not opposed to it. I just want the result. And I think that um, if it's mostly in new development um, or new communities where people have these dreams of walking their kids to school and they're sold this pipe dream, which is we know to be unrealistic um, for the most part, I would say. So I, I would like there to maybe be some language in future negotiations or at least a consideration that staff makes some sort of attempt while having those conversations to include postage within the sales office of some of these new places maybe um, like the QR code in, in the office and or um, at the site of the potential school, if you're gonna put that potential school in there or school property. But I, I do think that this is an area where um, a lot of us are passionate about trying to make sure that we're building strong communities with the amenities and the things that we want in them, parks and schools kind of hand in hand. And so if we give re people realistic expectations, I think they're still gonna wanna move to our community but I think there's less likely to be truly upset about making perhaps the largest financial investment of their life um, if they are under the assumption that something's gonna be there that's likely never going to be. So um, that would be my ask. Councilmember Richie. Thank you so much. I just wanted to kind of piggyback on some of the comments. It's um, in full disclosure, I, I, I gave Mike a call ahead of time because I wanna make sure I was very passionate and I really, really want to support what he's trying to champion because it, it's a, it's a mountain to, to really tackle. Um, but my, my main concern was we, I've heard the language, we're missing something that's very dangerous. It's I mean, besides accountability, what roles we take in the city, what roles the California Association <laughs> takes, um, California. California Association of Realtors. Okay. There's national California. Um, I could put on my council hat. I'm on a school board. And also, I own a mortgage company, so I'm a realtor broker. So, three hats all in one. Um, we're not mentioning two main groups that there's, are very distinguishable and doesn't matter in California. We're only talking about new, new, new. The same liability comes from anybody that's buying an existing home. There's no differentiation. When you pay your taxes to the city, they don't care if it's a new home or an existing home. A, person buying a house as an existing home has the same concerns, safety, schools, everything. So we have to really make sure, like, we have to get out of the mindset, just new home, new home. If someone's moving to Vacaville, they bought that home, maybe that's a house they can afford, the right neighborhood, they thought they were gonna buy a house in the Orchard area to go to Orchard School and find out, oh shoot, my kid can't get in because it's, it's full. That's the same problem as a developer and selling someone a pipe dream that something might happen. What I really warned um, so about is there's a huge HUD violation that we keep down this path if we don't address it. Because we're, we're not mentioning 50% of the pie. A renter, someone renting a home has the same right to have their kids go to school, be safe and secure in our community as a homeowner. There's no difference. HUD does not distinguish the difference of housing, ownership, renter. So we're only to focus on ownership but if someone's going to go and rent our community maybe that's all they can afford 
is that apartment in that part of town and they find out my god i'm a single mom i have a hard time getting my kid to that school they are as much in impacted as someone buying an eight hundred thousand dollar house to find out that that school's not gonna be there for 10 years so we, we need to we're gonna expand our horizon understanding this is a big task every single transaction in the city of Vacaville will be affected by this if you're renting you need to know where you're going to rent is there availability for my kids to get safety to school where it's close to school how to get to school public public transportation is there is there not ownership existing homes new homes like we need to really make sure we don't get tunnel vision because i mean i guarantee there's people watching that are like wow i cannot believe they're mentioning the these items like so i just want to make sure it's on record um that there's we don't just care about about the new home builds the new homes every single person has the same same right home ownership safety and access to schools in our community so we got to make sure before we go one step further it's a big task so who's going to take the onus if an existing home sells if it's a private so happens if i own a home and i sell it to i rent to a private individual am i not liable because the city of Apple didn't inform inform my renter I mean, so there's there's a lot of implications that can happen. So now you have we have private property rights. So now you're in trouble because the person you rented the property from is going to sue you because they didn't realize the house that they rented for me for a year isn't going to allow their kid to go to school across town. There's a lot of complications that come from this. Like we got to really think deep because um, we can take ownership of a really big problem. So we need to. I think the best thing to do is we need to have faculty advice comes comes to the table. We need to have. The charter schools come to the table, Bagwell um, Christian, I mean, Travis Unified, and figure out what is a live living document where they can scan a QR code. Like hyperlinks, hey, you go to here. If you're in this part of town, you need to kind of focus on these schools because there's private schools too. There's public schools. What about daycare? A parent might have thought, well, I thought those daycares open for my child. And so I think we really need to make sure that whatever one document we handle, if they cannot address all the needs, we need to take a step back. Because we, we gotta make sure that it's, I, I really appreciate, I see documents every day in disclosures. Like there's, there's a hundred documents because everyone's from a lawsuit. And I, I deal with it every day. Like I things that we, we think through a, a very deep lens because we can put ourselves, we, we, can, we can throw ourselves in a position to be obligated and inherit a problem that's not ours. Like, backbull unified needs to come to the table, everybody together, it's, it's a lot. Like, I just wanna make sure we're very clear, like, it's a lot bigger than the task of just new home builders and deceptive practices on this and that, parks, schools. It's a lot involved, you know, so that's my piece. Councilmember Roberts. Uh, yeah, Councilmember. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not working at the moment. We're, we're having a glitch uh, here. Hold on a second. Uh, there, uh, yeah, Councilmember Richie brought up a lot of good points regarding uh, apartments and renters. Um, also, yeah, most like most people on the council mentioned, they mentioned Backville Unified. There, I know a lot of people in Backville that, that don't even know Travis Unified branches into Vacaville itself and a lot of the new new developments coming in are going to off leisure town are going to go into Travis Unified 
but yeah, he does make a good point because yeah, when I grew up, yeah, single mom, I had to walk to school <laughs> quite decent ways in Fairfield. So it's it's important that everybody gets notified, and that is a big task. Unless yeah, you stick a QR code on it on every single rental agreement that transfers through the city. Um, yeah, it's very difficult. I'm not opposed to looking into options and how it can work, like working with realtors, like what's an easy way to present this information. Um, and talking about like existing residents, um, I like going into open houses, like one pops up at my house, like my neighbors, be like, oh, I've never seen inside their house, go check it out. And I do that in my friend's neighborhoods as well if I'm visiting them. And I was over actually in uh, District 4 and popped into one. <clears throat> Sorry. And yeah, as Grant is right on the border of Travis Unified and Vacaville Unified. And the realtor was saying, oh, that's Vacaville Unified when it's actually Travis Unified. So they're telling every single person there, this house goes to Vacaville Unified in those schools. So I don't think it's malicious. I think it's just because it's close to the border that they may not have known the exact line where it was drawn. And so it comes down to education amongst realtors as well, making sure they're educated in exactly what that house has to offer. And sometimes that's difficult if they are a realtor from Fairfield shown house in Vacaville for some reason. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of different pieces to look at there. And yeah, just education and trying to be more transparent on things, more, more accurate to our constituents. And yeah, holding yeah, some businesses accountable as well. Vice Mayor Wiley. Uh, I appreciate Council Member Silva that you brought this forward because like you said, we have kind of been talking about this since we've been on the council for a couple of years because it does continue to come up when people are trying to um, bring their complaints to us about not being able to get into the schools or schools not having the capacity. So it is really a concern about trying to get accurate information I, I am concerned about trying to address that concern by having a written document that the school district has to do because we as city council can't really mandate the school to do that, nor can we as city council really enforce who is doing that, who is not doing that. So I, I think more conversation needs to be done between the school and the city through two by twos or three by threes, but I don't think that's gonna be the, the whole solution. And it is different because there's changing enrollment and you might buy a house or rent a house and there's space for your third grader there but not your fifth grader at the neighborhood school because it depends on the enrollment at each grade level. So that's an issue. The other big thing is the sales force or realtor are often not from Vacaville or they're not knowledge about, knowledgeable about it. They have some information that they will say, oh, go to Cambridge School without really knowing um, what the status is of Cambridge School. And you were mentioning Leisure, Leisure Town Road. If you are on the east side of Leisure Town Road, it's called Vanden Ranch, but it doesn't go to Vanden, it goes to Vacaville. And if people come from out of town and they look on the west side of Leisure Town Road, that is actually in Vanden School District and not Vacaville. So it's very confusing. Um, exactly where the boundary is in parts of town. And um, so a lot of education needs to be available. We've talked a lot about QR codes or hyperlinks. The other thing 
those have to be constantly updated because as the information changes, if someone clicks on a hyperlink and it was, you know, last year's data, it's not, it's not doing anyone any good. And I will just say, since I was also pretty involved with Travis schools, school property can be sold as well. I do agree with some of the comments earlier, not calling it potential school site or, or future fuel school site, but just say that the school district owns it at the current time. So I do have concerns about how we as city council could enforce it, both from the realtors and the school district, and how we could then, what, what we don't have any ramifications if someone's not doing that or someone gives bad information. Having one sheet for the people to sign is a good idea, except that there are so many other sheets that they look at, um, and just having that sheet with current information. So I do think it's a valid problem. I don't see any easy answers to it to, to right now. That's it. Councilmember Um, Yeah, thank you everybody for the comments. Um, you know, just just in general, like uh, I've heard the comment about like, hey, that's a lot. Of, there's a lot of different forms. Well, for some reason, people tend to remember, hey, I was told there's going to be a new school, um, and so I think having that that visual that visual aid uh, in itself is something that's advantageous from a, a learning perspective. Um, one thought, uh, one thought of how when we talk about accountability uh, and to minimize the impact on staff is whether or not somebody who continues to um, uh, implement uh, dishonest practices uh, within our city that that's something between the homeowner and the whomever they purchase it from. And let's say that's, I, that's not a criminal offense, um, but if it's something that they take through civil litigation and prove that, yeah, in fact, they were you know, going through the civil litigation, that's something that uh, they violated. If they offend that again in the future, um, then maybe it's something that we can uh, not continue their particular business license or something to that effect. So uh, it's something that in, in that respect is something minimal. Um, I don't think my intention wasn't to find a silver, uh, uh, a one size fits all uh, solution to it all. Uh, it was to hear, I've taken in the feedback from our community. I've taken in the feedback from our council members. I've taken in the feedback from our, our school districts. And uh, the question is how do we start uh, showing the folks uh, of our of our community that we're actively uh, uh, doing our best to address it while while rather than just you know um, kind of passing it off uh, for the next cycle um, the next year so um, that's kind of um, there's some other um, other things but um, so I what I, where I'm kind of at with this we still got to do a public comment yeah, yeah. Um, so kind of this this is where I'm kind of suggesting things and I don't know if anybody has any, uh, comments on this uh, from the public, but um, what I would what I would suggest us to consider uh, is maybe I don't know if we could do like an informal poll uh, to have staff bring back um, the updated verbiage uh, within our maps, and then within each of our respective two by two or three by three with uh, either Travis Unified School District or Vacaville Unified School District. Then in those talks we have uh, we have these discussions. Um, with the council's support, you know, because there's only three of us, it's up to three of us, it's not a majority, that we continue these conversations in there. And if something comes out of it that's doable um, within that particular, those uh, subcommittees, 
Um, that is something that public have input on, um, and as well, obviously, as well as the council. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and open up to the public comment on this item. Good evening. Good evening. It seems to me, uh, Mr. Mayor, that the city has some vicarious ill will from the parties that are really responsible by virtue of approving subdivisions. I'm pretty sure, Mr. Mayor, you and some of the other people have experience at either tabletops or facilitating. And it sounds to me like my town could be the facilitator with the two responsible parties. Two responsible parties are the school districts and the realtors. That's right up your alley, sir. So I think if you facilitated as a city, having identified the problems, might come to a solution without adopting enforcement measures and more confusion because as Councilman Ritchie pointed out, he's got all this depth of knowledge over in the real estate section and you have this depth of knowledge in administration and well, everybody's got depth of knowledge in something. So I'd like to see you facilitate it and come up with an answer that way instead of uh, burning up all my council's time on a very important issue. I'm living in North Orchard, I know people come there and my house value goes up with the assumption their kids get to go to North Orchard. Thank you. Seeing no one else, I'm gonna go ahead and close public comment on this and just bring it back for any, any final thoughts. I, um, I personally appreciate the frustration and I and you certainly, um, the meaning behind this has tremendous value. The, the item as it's presented versus a whole nother conversation, are they building schools and bonds? But the item as presented is, is you know, having a, a way to inform where it says new home buyers, it's like inform everyone. Um, up to date school enrollment information and information. The version of the school district's transparency page, if you will. Like I said, I, I was able to attend a meeting and I asked one question. Can anybody tell me what the school enrollment is? And they threw up a slide. It's like, wouldn't that be nice if that was real time all the time? And through an agreement, they helped the community through some of the, the pressures and feelings of why there's trailers or why why can't I go to that school? And maybe it's more granular. It says, here's the enrollment, but the enrollment is kind of like going to the parking garage. The fifth level is full, is full just like the fifth grade is full, like Vice Mayor Wiley. You don't know what's impacting. I, I just believe that there, there's an opportunity to both help the community help families, but also strengthen our relationships with our school districts and not only identify a solution to this in two by twos or three by threes, but find greater ways of collaboration between the school districts so that we're not feeling the pressure of the homeowner wanting information and everyone's pointing the finger at each other. It's um, such, a, such a difficult problem, but maybe the solution is is in front of us if we sit down and meet with them. And without trying to force an unfunded mandate on a school district or a process that's unique to Vacaville on, on realtors and then it excludes renters, 
how do we how do we help the school districts help our community? And that's what I would like to see. And so whatever that might look like, I believe that, and I only speak for myself, but I can't imagine our council wouldn't support. How do we really encourage it? This is important. Help help our community because there's no neighborhood schools anymore where you're going to go to that school anywhere that they've got a vacancy and maybe that's where we need to lean in and maybe that's the bigger problem just my thoughts sir councilmember chapman thank you um council member roberts um mentioned the other school districts that fall within our bound me within um Vacaville city limits we have travis fairfield sassoon and of course the private schools, all of them. So, you know, up until uh, Councilmember Carruthers made that comment, I'm thinking about Vacaville Unified School District only. But we would need to communicate because growth has taken place in all of these, in all of the districts. And when I was talking about the portables coming in, it wasn't only um, waiting on funding, it was due to growth at the, at the time. And if you don't have enough high schoolers in those and those developments are moving into those communities, then uh, yeah, we go through periods where homeowners, homebuyers coming in, their children are either uh, primary grades, middle school or high school, and oftentimes we run into the uh, to that period into that into that time. See, you didn't tell me to turn around. Uh, we run into uh, the growth taking place within those certain grades. And so that's another reason for portables coming in. But if we, um, first of all, I feel that we have to be careful and remain stay in our lane. That's one thing. However, I feel there is a need to communicate with the other districts. If we go further with this, we need to know how can we help them to communicate better. With them, turn it back over to you, Councilmember Silva. Sorry, um, the school district doesn't identify the land. Is that correct? So, like, so that there lies the challenge, like helping the school district community. Like, we're we have to be a part of that process. We that's the feedback that we continue to get. Uh, we create the development agreements. We are we we manage all of that. Um, yes, at some point there's input, but as we heard, there's different points when the input is given at that point it's quote unquote a little uh, too late um, is, is what I if I quoted that too late correctly and so um, but that said um, the whole goal for this today because I know I've gotten uh, certain messages uh, through emails and calls and texts and whatnot um, there's nothing to approve tonight per se uh, the ultimate goal is to really understand where council sits um, how serious we are at, about trying to find some type of solution and um, the path forward to that. To me, I think that there's one, the simplest one is to update our verbiage. Um, so I would suggest, I don't know if we need a motion or just ask staff and they bring it back, you know, X amount of months down the road, uh, however long that would take. Uh, and then number two, that we continue these conversations with the school district um, to see to, your, to the points that are made here, how we're stronger partners. Um, I think that's what the development agreements. So when they set aside land for where schools are going to go. So I, I think to your point, 
um, maybe the best way forward is, is here on the council to encourage the two by twos, three by threes to be working with the leadership within the districts. Find a collective creative way. I would recommend that the school districts come and make presentations. I asked back at them, they said, we'd love to come. Maybe it's as simple as an ask, is to come do a presentation based upon Vacaville's growth needs, challenges, enrollment, schools, what their future is, and it allows us and the public to all have a, a conversation that isn't restricted to a two-by-two. Two. Um, I also, um, and you can all weigh in how you feel about this, that based upon the presentation from staff, from technology, is, is to find and encourage staff to improve ways to use technology, whether it's signage or QR codes or websites for what we are in control of, to better inform uh, our, our public without having, this is a benefit to the city versus an enforcement tool and work towards that. Um, those are just two of my thoughts on that. Vice Mayor Wiley. Well, I will just say that especially in District 6, there is a whole lot of new building going on. But when you look at the city overall, I don't know how our new home sales compared to a combination of rental apartments and houses, existing houses for sale. So I don't know if we need to talk that part of this conversation because those are people that are also showing up at the school door as well. And maybe having them come and give presentations will help us ask the questions. <laughs> yeah, the school district, you mean? The school districts. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking the rental people. Are well, we can encourage them to come as well. <laughs> but the school district is a strategic partner for sure. Councilmember Ritchie. Uh, thank you, um, uh, Council Vice Mayor Wiley. That's um, that's kind of the point I was trying to make. Like it's it's there's do home development. We have to make sure everyone can see the table. Because if we inherit this role to be the gatekeeper overseer, we're gonna have liability. Because if regardless of the home ownership, renting, existing, new, oh well the city of Vacaville had a website and they told me I can move here and they said it'd be okay. So we had I mean that's where I think we need to be very careful. And you know, there's school boards that's one part of the table, but also you have to have, I mean, the contracts aren't written by, we're not writing the contracts. Like, we're not, I would never ask our staff to also learn how to write a real estate contracts that are liable for the whole city. That's crazy. Like, I mean, there's no, there's no person here that should have to do that. Um, the Department of Real Estate is a behemoth. They take that task. So we need to make sure you understand that there's a development community, there's the existing home community, which is everyone in the room can sell a house and rent a house. How are now you guys gonna be liable by our actions? And are you guys gonna be happy about that? Because now we're opening you guys up for lawsuits. Because someone rented a house from you and you lie to them. Because now they can't have their kid go to school they want to. Now you're getting sued, now you're gonna sue us. Because we put this burden on you. So it can, it can be a hot mess. So we need to understand what we're getting involved in. But there's school systems, there's a department of real estate, and there is the private and public developers that are the new homes. And all three have to come together and figure out how could this, this document update and be dynamic so everyone's compliant. If that can't happen, it's, it's, it's not gonna work out. So, I mean, it's just, the, these documents can't be, oh, Vacaville created this. Because what happens if someone comes into Vacaville? Are they, 
Are they now misinformed because they weren't from Vacaville before? They moved to Vacaville. What happens if they miss a document? And they didn't realize the house they're buying or renting or, or new development was previewed as one document. So who's liable? So I, I think it's, yes, we need to have Vacaville Unified, charter schools, Travis, everybody at the table with Tartan Real Estate, figure out is this feasible and possible? But I think that's, that's what I'm trying to get across more concisely. It's a, it's a big task. I just don't want to obligate us to any part of it until we understand the whole breadth of the, of the situation. Well, that's pretty clear, isn't it? Um, I think from a staff perspective, I, what I'd like to suggest, and, and Councilmember Silva, you can, you can add to this because you brought this, but I do believe that whatever we are in control of um, on properties, because I know this isn't on there, but whatever we're in control of, let's explore that. That's not giving any more direction than being innovative. But as far as this, I believe the answer is, is um, reaching out to the two by twos and also uh, engaging in the leadership of the, of the two school districts, um, because it's more complex than, than just trying to create a form. Councilmember Ritchie, you, you bring up some really good points. Everyone should be included and in how do you do that? And how do you document this? But how do we solve Councilmember Silva's issue? Because I think it's everyone's issue. Um, it's through some engagement to begin with and see if we can't, if we can't find a solution that's uh, not enforcement-based, but it's collaborative. Councilmember Silva. Well, I heard different comments about enforcement. I was reflecting like, that's interesting. Because I, when I grew up here, uh, I was subject to much enforcement. So uh, maybe that's how I was trained. Uh, in my roots. And then a lot of discussions I hear lately is about a lack of accountability um, within our society. So uh, anyway, it's just kind of some self-reflection there um, with those comments. Um, you know, again, I think the, the goal is how do we protect our citizens? How do we protect people who invest in our community? How do we make sure that we're not continuing to uh, contribute to this problem? Um, there's uh, absolutely um, honest uh, folks who are out there that are realtors and real estate. I'm not trying to put all of them in some broad bucket um, to where they're dishonest practices. Uh, part of it is, is protecting those who are being honest um, as well. So um, I just, uh, one, one comment on the uh, respect to your opinion about lawsuits. Uh, I would just, um, and I'm not gonna ask Melinda to comment unless you want to, but I think, it, I think it would be, a once we have something, if we want to have something to actually discuss, then that's where uh, I think it, I absolutely wanna hear or, you know, we shall consider the, uh, the legality of it all and whatnot. So, um, anyways, so I think uh, can we? Um, is it appropriate you're, you're, to make a capable, motion? You're capable of making any motion you want. So, uh, if it's appropriate, I'd like to make a motion to ask staff to come back with updated verbiage on our maps on future school sites. Uh, so, verbiage, for example, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, whoever is able to uh, future Travis Unified School District, VUS school, VUSD, uh, future blank school site uh, to update that verbiage um, to something that leaves it more, there's different, different suggestions out here. I'm open to entertaining what staff feels appropriate as well. So, so maybe the, the, the point is, is for clarity is, instead of it saying future site of a school that never has a school built on it, it's land owned by the Travis Unified School District Disclaimer, I'm just throwing it out there. That does not designate a school will ever be built. That's up to them. I mean, 
truth is, is we don't really build the schools. What, what you're trying to suggest is, is so that people don't feel misinformed. Correct. The goal is to how do we clarify, how do we improve our communication um, practices through our documents? So if we're saying people need to do their homework, when they do their homework, it should be accurate. Um, that's, that's the motion. Uh, Sorry to repeat that. Does it, do you need a motion or do you need simply just to, to look into from? I think with that particular request, um, we can bring something back uh, with not a lot of resource commitment to it. Um, if if yeah. council's agreeable to that, we can certainly do that. Um, it, it's when it starts going beyond that that I think it gets into more resources that I would like to ask for a motion if that were the case. And just for clarity, and then Councilmember Chapman, uh, personally, I'm not in favor of, of trying to manage and create a forum. But uh, to Councilmember Silva's point, is is there something that we can do as a city, as staff, that we're in control of, that we're not mandating on someone else, that helps better inform those who look at our land use? Maybe that that's that's something I, I could be in favor with. I'm not in favor of creating new forums that everyone's going to have to manage. Councilmember Chapman. Thank you. Um, a while back when Aaron uh, was uh, presenting, I had asked whether or not during the uh, developer agreement, when you were going over that, whether or not there was a representative from the school district in attendance, and you, you affirmed that. Maybe that's uh, one, one area that we do have some control is that checklist um, was, um, a representative from the school district in attendance during the development agreement. And um, can we ask something to be added to the development agreement as far as, um, I don't know how they, I know they, they have disclosures they have to, they're mandated or they're required to make. Mr. Uh, Manager, do you have a comment on that? Oh, I'm sorry. No, I, I'm waiting my turn, so. Uh, you, you got my you got my my dialogue. You got you have my question. Then you believe, go ahead. I believe so. So okay. development agreements are definitely a valuable tool to incorporate above and beyond provisions. The challenge here is is that with the conditions with the existing subdivisions and specific plans where we have existing development agreements, it's pretty difficult to go back and ask for new inclusionary requirements. It has it would at a at a minimum it has to be mutually agreeable to both parties involved in that. And at this point, you have multiple parties involved because the original development agreement was you know, when the property was vacant and now it's being subdivided and, and developed. And so going back and getting all those assignees to agree to that would be, would be challenging. Um, going forward, we can certainly explore something like that. And I think honestly, um, we were on the cusp of getting to something like that when you all were talking about the North Village project. And so some of the lessons learned that we've been hearing from council, you know, on this subject and other subjects about how to be more proactive um, with ed education and, and notifying, you know, the, com the future community, we, we're listening and we're trying to build those things in going forward with future you know, projects and, and, and subsequent development agreements. So I think there's an opportunity for that going forward, absolutely. Councilmember Roberts. I was gonna second Councilmember Silva's motion since he made one. 
uh, and directing staff to update the language for school and property and development maps. Research what can yeah. be done. Sorry, yeah. Could you clarify that? That was the second. I just want to make sure it's clear. I, I've got it. You got it. Okay. All right. So we have a motion, a second. All in favor? Aye. 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 All right. So that's that's uh, enough direction at least for now. But I would also encourage in our two by twos that we really research or we we lean in on ways that we can encourage the school districts to be supportive partners in this area. If they if it was easy for them to show me, it, it should be easy enough for them to show the public in a way that better tells their story. So thank you very much. Um, thank you for bringing that to our attention. And with that, we will move on to the next item. A report to the city manager. I have none tonight, thank you. Okay, item 11, reports of the city council. Councilmember Stock. Very quickly, I just wanna wish everyone a happy and safe 4th of July. Happy Freedom America Day. And I hope that you are enjoying Creek Walk. Uh, I know that it's wonderful that we're able to get everybody together. There's some pretty awesome bands and stuff that are coming out there. Good times to, to meet your neighbors and have fun in the community. Would love to maybe see if the weather's nice in September, maybe extending it a little bit. I think it helps the businesses downtown. I'd also like to thank all the staff for hanging out with us and for the community that came out and provided comments and uh, participated tonight. Thank you. Councilmember Silva. Um, yeah, thank you. So I wasn't able to make it last meeting. Um, actually, I'll start off with that. So uh, I was out of, out of town. I wish I was actually at the A's, um, the A's reverse boycott game. Actually, that's the shirt that I'm wearing. Um, I think it's pretty awesome when you have uh, local local folks. So Coach Two Clary um, was one of the folks who actually was rallying folks up, um, a part of a larger community to really support um, that sense of community. So uh, sports has been a big part of my life. It's a big part of this community. I know not everybody's uh, Oakland A's fans. Um, Raiders is a complicated relationship, but uh, that I have, but that's a personal issue. Um, this, but, uh, uh, you know, I kind of, I, I consider folks like Stu, like this Vacaville treasure. And, uh, and he, um, anyway, so I just wanted to appreciate that. These cell uh, shirts, they were crowdsourced. Um, they were something that were handed out uh, to the first 6,000 folks. It was like the first time ever in MLB history where fans funded something to, you know, to come together and, uh, you know, speak up for what they believed in and whatnot at a sports game. Uh, my understanding is uh, one of the shirts are actually going to go to the to the um, to the hall of, to the hall of fame to the to the museum for the, uh, for baseball. So that, I think that's pretty cool. Um, and so uh, I think part of that. Part of the bigger message in there is, is how how we support uh, organizations, how we support each other uh, for supporting our community, and I think that's that's really the root of uh, a lot of different folks' efforts and what really makes any city, particularly Vacaville, uh, something that's something a place that's cherished to live in, and a place that in itself uh, that is a home to everybody. And so, uh, you know, uh, I know there's been uh, some recent announcement. Um, and a lot of concern that I've gotten regarding um, the selling of the Genentech site. I, I do only speak for myself on this one. Um, it's unfortunate that Roche uh, has chosen what they have. Uh, they're not leaving California. They're, they've uh, 
you know, they've invested in somewhere else. And I'm really curious to see um, how uh, different ways of how we can, uh, in, uh, for companies particularly of that, that size, uh, who have provided good jobs for a good amount of time, um, and sometimes uh, at some controversial uh, uh, moments throughout its history, uh, companies that have generated extreme amount of wealth, uh, how do we make sure that we keep those folks, uh, keep those companies um, lasting here in our community? And so uh, in many ways, that's, that's what I, uh, I'm very open to when we talk about innovation and how do we support businesses? How do we make sure that when they come here and we've, uh, we've, uh, we've created a home for them, uh, and that's allow people to put food on our table, allow folks, um, you know, to, to live that good quality of life. How can we make sure um, that those folks stay a part of our home? Um, so uh, that said, uh, kind of extending to different ways of how we've created and supported our sense of community. Um, I want to thank uh, Chef Stockton. Um, so uh, Saturday, this is goes back a while now. It's been a while since I've been up here, it feels. But uh, that re the retaining wall was a site of gang back and forth gang graffiti. And uh, there was a aspiring Eagle Scout. So this particular project is about 90% youth led. They, uh, the design was uh, designed, there was different designs that came up from some concepts that were pitched to the arts program from back of high. They submitted it. Uh, there was a community leadership club uh, started at Markham Elementary School. So the, the the neighborhood school for uh, this particular area. Those uh, youth, at one point, there was 45 in there. Um, they they were they went out and did the surveys. Okay, they picked picked one that probably wasn't my priority, um, but uh, or my number one. Um, but they picked it. It was something that they felt that they had ownership in and that they wanted to see that was bright and, and beautiful within their their community and improve something that was a potential eyesore. Um, that was an eyesore, straight up. And so um, fast forwarding, uh, working with uh, the city staff, including uh, public works, uh, you know, scouts, uh, shout out to uh, County Supervisor John Vasquez. He came out there and helped clear a lot of debris. Um, after about an hour and a half on one day, we got 12 feet, it's a 210 foot wall. And uh, Eagle Scout, uh, he's like, oh, I think we're gonna finish today. I'm like, dude, do the math. Um, <laughs> Uh, it was a lot longer, but um, over two days they got they helped clear out the the the, uh, the weeds and whatnot in the front to make a nice clean canvas to pressure wash and to primer and um, that actual paint day um, council member uh, I usually don't you know I I want to make sure I you know give shout outs not to put any, a lot of times they're not all available to come out so putting that disclaimer but a council member Richie and uh, Chef Stockton came out. Um, Chef Stockton grilled up uh, some really good food uh, for the youth uh, with his family. So I really appreciate you and the family coming out. Appreciate you hooking up the sweets, the, the donuts. Uh, following day, council member uh, Roberts came out and, um, you know, had to teach him how to paint. But, you know, not everybody's perfect. So, um, but if you have an opportunity, <laughs> if you have an opportunity, please uh, check out that mural um, and truly understand that, that uh, that is something that's youth led and that's something that inspires me that's the future and um and again kind of going back to an earlier item that particular site uh, across from there there's a community garden that was another eagle scout project of how do we put in excuse me not community garden a, um, a monarch station so different pollinator plants that were put in they were super short for quite a while but now they just they really sprouted up and so um, hopefully we can continue uh, these efforts 
um, the efforts that staff made earlier today with the housing element, I, I deeply appreciate. Because um, one of the things that that um, has kind of been disheartening um, coming back to my hometown um, is that it seems like anytime we get some type of momentum to help out folks um, that are, you know, lower income or whatever, however we want to classify it, is that a lot of times, you know, all these changes come in and whatever progress that was about to be made goes away. And so in many ways, that's how I felt again with how we zone and how we continue to develop open space. And I see there's so much potential, not just to serve whatever the future that particular area serves um, as far as what amenities or community space it does, but the effort of seeing our community come together and create something uh, where people have, may potentially have such a negative view and where they have all these, these youth and people of all ages um, contribute uh, towards something better. Um, and just to share the impact that this has, it's not just on those who show up, people around notice it. The amount of folks that were driving by, honking, waving, thumbs up. I mean, you, you guys, um, you know, heard that. They, um, you know, that's it's something that's really deep um, and everybody's uh, has a lot of gratitude from that. Uh, local, a local mom said, you know, in 20 some years, I've never seen anybody do anything. She brought out a big, a big uh, bottle of agua fresca and the kids sucked that down like in five minutes. So I didn't get any. Um, but uh, again, I just want to uh, express my gratitude for um, these things that seem kind of small, but they really truly do have a long-term impact as long as we continue to find ways to sustain it together. So thank you. Vice Mayor Wild. Just a few things to report tonight. After two weeks ago when we met, the next day I met with the Yolo Solano Air Quality Management District, who um, we approved a grant that Public Works had applied for through STA Solano Transportation Authority, and we will soon be having a new mobile car charger. I think it's in the uh, parking lot that's right behind the downtown library. If it's not in that one, it's going to be real close. It comes and it has a, a sun solar panel, so it's totally auto autom autonomous. It doesn't need to be have any drills or permits or um, wires or anything. And it can be moved from one side of the parking lot to the other to get the sun or whatever. And it charges two, two cars at a time. So I appreciate Public Works applying for it. And I'm glad that we were able to fund that and that will be coming to Vacaville. Um, the second thing is I hope that we all have a safe and sane 4th of July. And last year we changed those fees. And so I just hope that people are being reminded that if they choose to violate the policies that there are consequences. I saw last year before like some big don't ignite or think before you ignite or don't whatever the sign said. I've only seen a couple, that's why I can't remember them this year. But I think people need to hear that message. Think before you send them off because we will you know, fine you if you're caught. Because it's really important not to be violating the fireworks thing. We, we passed it last year, so I wanna make sure we're enforcing what we pass. Um, and also, we don't meet again the first, the second, third Tuesday in July, so we won't meet until July 25th. And tonight, and there was the safety element and we, the heating and cooling. So we've had a really cool spring, but I hope that we're prepared that if we have consecutive hot days, we have support for uh, residents who need cooling um, in July. And in specifically District 6, Again, we had funded some 
Public Works, and now the concrete team is out and about, so I've seen sidewalk repairs along Foxborough Parkway, so it's great to see that, that happening. And also, so happy um, that we had swift police action yesterday in District 6, and you know, there's a tragic situation, uh, not people from Vacaville, but uh, a loss of life, but the neighbors were not hurt. The suspect was apprehended within 40 minutes. So a big thank you to the police department and for everyone involved in that situation. So um, basically, and then tomorrow morning, we are going to meet in this council chambers and present a mock city council for the uh, summer interns. And I wanna thank everyone on the city who has supported that and helped with that. And the main key is, you know, citizens need to be involved. And so I appreciate the people who came tonight to um, be involved in city government as well. And we want our young people to know the correct way to do it when they have comments and how to be involved with the city. So that's it for District 6. Councilmember Roberts. I have uh, three different things. First, I'd like to thank Councilmember Chapman. If you see me up here smirking, she has an hourglass time to three minutes where she's timing us back here on things. So that's why I keep laughing at her every time she flips it over on us. Um, second one, I just want to give a really quick update on the Capsolano JPA, the regional or Solano County Homeless Board. Uh, we're making progress on it. It's new organization. So we're working on staffing models right now and kind of towards the end of putting together strategic plans. So hopefully we'll have a good presentation and a more in-depth update for everybody in the near future. Um, the last piece, um, based on, yeah, uh, interaction, it seems like people are interested in based on the interaction here at council and emails I've received. I'd like to agendize review and discussion of our current flag and proclamation policy. Uh, at a future meeting that the mayor and city manager seem that's reasonable based on the upcoming items. Making a motion? Yeah. Second. Okay. All in favor? Aye. 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 That's fair. And that's all I had. Thank you. Councilmember Chapman. Thank you. Um, Council member, no, Vice Mayor Wiley uh, mentioned the cooling and war uh, the cooling the, and warming centers. And um, I wanted to make mention that we're supposed to be in triple digits beginning Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday. Start at 90 tomorrow, and then we hit the triple digits. And I'm hoping that uh, we, are, we have prepared uh, for the cooling centers to be open, and I would like to know where would they where would they be? Under the the prior rules, it doesn't qualify based on what forecasted temperatures are at this point. But with the new um, additions that council added with the safety element. Um, we'll be checking with our team and seeing how that qualifies where it registers. And then if um, necessary, we'll make sure the council is aware and the community is aware that if in fact it warrants opening up cooling centers, we'll get those established. 
I was just going to chime in on that. So if the city doesn't officially open one, uh, anybody can use public libraries as any county building as a warming or cooling center. So. I just wanted to congratulate um, Council Member Silva. I understand you received a, a honorable recognition from the Chamber of Commerce. Um, I feel bad for being mean to you now. <laughs> what did you say, dear? I, I love you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yes, uh, I wasn't in attendance, but I read about you in the paper, and you, we did have representation. Uh, from the council, but congratulations. That's an honor well deserved. Uh, no doubt. Um, Councilmember Ritchie. Much, um, kind of segueing off of uh, what Silva talked about and um, kind of uh, I think the comments down the line about 4th of July, um, it's about community. And it's one of the things I, I, I ran on, I'll die on. It's Backable is amazing. I, I wanted to create a place where everyone felt welcomed, community. Everyone felt that they had a place here and was welcome and safe. But like, I spent my life riding by and walking by that wall. I used to live up Wesley. I told him like a hundred times there. And it's amazing how, you know, out of, you, you get used to certain things. You get conditioned to certain things. And uh, he stepped up and made a change. And it's like the spark lights of fire. And that's what community is about, making it better. And we had our first Juneteenth celebration, um, and it was amazing. The crowd looked like a, a bunch, bunch of Skittles. It was not one color, it was everybody was there. And it was just amazing to see, that's community. And it just kind of segueing into 4th of July. Um, you know, everyone has camps, this, that, this, I mean, every parties, political, everything. People are like, obsessed with Jeeps. I mean, everything, everybody has these little groups in them. The day to kind of just, come together and just really just, just everyone's gonna be happy everyone's gonna be celebrating the fourth of july is, is like one of those days we can just drop our our labels and names and stigmas and biases and just, and just see someone just smile and hug them and it's like we're all we're all americans and we're all here it's like you know it's just one of those days where we can really just drop our shoulders and come together and i think it's exciting like just, just a, i wish that this all the time but the fourth of july is a really great opportunity if you just you just come together as a nation and we just really just come together. And I think we need that more because we get back in our old camps again. But uh, for the 4th of July is one of those days that we can really take that energy and just make a new friend, do a gesture, help somebody out of the store and make people realize why we're here for each other. Uh, I think it's more than being like hustling, just hustling back your house and do your own burgers, like help somebody, do something for somebody. If you see some, some mom carrying two kids in a, in a car to Andrews Park, just help them. You know, that's that's more of an American spirit than you dressing up in court and matching, frankly. You know, just really just find opportunities to really show people why this place is special. And that's my message. Thank you. I just want to uh, end this evening with compliments and really compliments to the staff. I mean, the work that you do each and every day. Oh, yeah, you're having fun at the end of the night. This is the last night you get to bring that. Mm -hmm. But uh, I also want to say thank you from an economic development standpoint. I know that uh, there's a lot of work you, you raised in Intech. Um, there's a, we have a lot to be proud of in the economic investment and the ability for us to be where we're at right now 
for any of us, if we're paying attention, not every community or city is, is as fortunate as we are. And I don't say that lightly, it, it, that takes planning. It takes uh, hard work from staff. Uh, that you know, for those who will watch this later, the staff sits here and is ready to answer questions. But beyond that, what you do each and every day to run the, the essence of making city government work, it, it comes through you and all the people that you represent. So please, and I, I know I speak on behalf of, of the council, but certainly for myself, pass along the appreciation for all the hard work that you do that makes the community that we have through our local government. It's very complex, and just like uh, Vice Mayor Wiley said, the, the mock council meeting for, for kids and students to be involved in local government, to, for those that have been involved over this uh, summer program, it makes a difference. And any of us who have served in local government understand the, that, uh, that, that sense of satisfaction and purpose for doing what you do, even though sometimes council meetings go along. So with that, we're going to, uh, we have no closed session tonight, so we're going to adjourn. Good night, Vacaville.